Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Turn it off. strong enough. If you can't bring down the charging bull, then don't wave the red cape at it. You were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, find out what that reason is. said the age of heroes would never come again.
This is Chris Stashu. And this is Josh Hadley. And I am Mike White, and welcome to a special live broadcast of the Projection Booth, 1201 Beyond, and Culture Cast Podcasts. It's like three for the price of one. Much like the Justice League, we've joined forces to bring you a discussion of the 2021 do-over mulligan of 2017's Justice League film, which we have to call the Zack Snyder Justice League. The Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut. Before we jump in, just a little bit of housekeeping. We're going to be spoiling the new cut of Justice League, as well as the other DCEU films, maybe even the Suicide Squad. So let's talk about the 2017 film before we start to talk about the 2021 film. So let's call this the Whedon Cut. What was your experience with the DCEU and your impression of the original theatrical cut of Justice League from way back in the before times of 2017. Well, I saw all of these up to date because my girlfriend loves all the comic book movies and all this. I've hated every single one of them. Batman versus Superman was so bad. It was laughable. Martha. Why did you say that name? So I wasn't expecting much with Justice League and it underseated my expectations. It was really bad in a weird way. And we can come back to this later. There's actually a couple of things I liked better in the 17 version than the 21 version. There's actually a couple of things Whedon improved on. And that says a lot for me because I can't fucking stand Joss Whedon. Probably the funniest part of the 2017 one. My girlfriend loves comic book movies, but she doesn't know comic books. So when Deathstroke came out, At the end, she nudges me in the ribs and goes, and I had to explain it to her. I thought that was the funniest thing in that whole piece of crap. I don't remember seeing Deathstroke before seeing this new version. He was at the end of the Whedon version. I was having similar issues watching the Snyder Cut. I kept asking myself, did I see this in BVS, BVS the Ultimate Edition, or the Whedon cut of Justice League. I kept asking myself because some of the things where it's like, where did this come from? Was like, was this the BVS ending scene? Was this a Justice League ending scene? But yeah, I, it's... I saw all of these DCE movies. Sorry, I guess I'm jumping in with my experience. I've seen them all theatrically. For whatever reason, Andrea, who usually loves comic book movies, sci-fi movies, all this kind of stuff... She opted out. She's seen Shazam with me. She's seen Wonder Woman. She's watched Wonder Woman 84 multiple times, and I don't know why. But she would not see Man of Steel. She wouldn't see Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. And she wouldn't see the Justice League. She has watched all of them over the last week as I prepared to do a projection booth on Superman but I just rewatched these and I thought I watched them all the way through the end credits and did not see this Deathstroke scene at all. In the theatrical, he was only in the Lex Luthor scene. It was cut differently because Lex Luthor did not offer him Bruce Wayne. It was just sort of, it was implied Deathstroke broke him out of prison. Ah, there he is. Welcome aboard. Here for a glass of Goudet Diamant. I was just celebrating God's return out of the ground and back up into the sky. He and his odd little friends are forming some sort of league. 
You better not be wasting my time. No, I have too much to live for, and more important things to do. We have to level the playing field, Mr. Wilson. To put it plainly, shouldn't we have a league of our own? You know, alluding to the Legion of Doom. And Deathstroke was like, I'm on board. And that was it. So the whole apocalypse scene with Deathstroke in this one where he's with Mera, because of course we need more Amber fucking her, but where he's with Mera and them in the post-apocalypse scene, that was new to this. I don't know if that was reshot footage or originally shot and cut, but that Deathstroke was not in the Whedon version, but the Deathstroke on Lex Luthor's yacht was. The reason for him being on the yacht is different in both versions, but he's still on the yacht either way. We heard all of this coming out before this, that it was going to be, you know, nothing that Whedon shot was going to be used in this movie. But they never said, obviously, Whedon, Whedon never said I didn't use Snyder's stuff. So that's where the weird crossover is. But I do find it funny that we have that same finale scene in both films, but one of them makes sense, at least some sense. Then the other one is a complete, you know, throwaway. I mean, they're both technically throwaways, regardless of what Snyder says, I guess, at this point. But when I saw it in the theater, I assumed the way he comes to the yacht and everything, that that was him breaking Lex Luthor out of prison. That's what I assumed Deathstroke did. And then we know at that time, the next movie was supposed to be Ben Affleck's Batman, where Deathstroke was going to be the villain. So they were setting up a spinoff for that one. So, Chris, how about you? What, what's your experience with the DCEU up until before today when we saw this thing? I mean, I think I can go on record here, and I'm, I'm going to name drop our good old friend Matt Campagna. He has come on every time we've had a DC film on the podcast, and we've covered, I think, at this point, the only one we don't have a podcast on are Shazam and... Wonder Woman 84. So those are the only two. Well, I have seen them. We just didn't do a podcast on them. I had to watch them to prepare for this. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've been one of those people that has had a bad taste in my mouth left by DC. Uh, Mike, we've talked about this before. I'll mention it now. DC had the easier path to make better movies. They owned the three most well-known superheroes in American pop culture, at least before Marvel and Kevin Feige decided to say, let's fucking do something no one else has done and let's actually make Ant-Man and Iron Man household names. I mean, I I know that there are people now that can't fathom Iron Man not being an important part of American pop culture, but 15 years ago, he fucking wasn't. But Batman was and Superman was. They've been pop culture icons for multiple generations. And the saddest thing about this Snyder's involvement with DC is that unlike Kevin Feige, he doesn't have a vision for the future that involves everyone at DC. It seemed more everyone having to kowtow to his idea of what the movies were going to be. And then because we're all having to play in this man's sandbox, as opposed to playing on the playground together, 
you have movies like this one that tell stories about characters who, when we see them in movies that come canonically right after this one, they are completely different. Aquaman is completely different. I goddamn guarantee you Flash is going to be probably the same, but that's fine. Flash's character in both versions of Justice League is better than most of the things in the movie. But all of these characters, I mean, even Wonder Woman is not the same character that she is in this movie. And it's it's weird. When I saw Aquaman, it was clear that they added a line in post to make it take place after Justice League, the sure. 2017 version, because she mentions you proved your medal you know, in the battle with Steppenwolf. But it's also clear that that movie was supposed to come out before Justice League. He doesn't know about Superman and Batman. He's clearly meeting Mera for the first time, even though they meet in Justice League. It is clear when you watch Aquaman that that was supposed to come out before Justice League. Sure. Though. But my point is, is they have made it now where they've thick quote unquote, like with Sny- the Snyder cut, they have fixed it so that it does take place after. And frankly, I would go as far as to say it's not even the same character. It's a completely different version of Aquaman. Jason Momoa just happens to be playing him. If we had ever gotten that Batman Ben Affleck movie, that Batman may not have been the Batman we get in this movie. I don't know. It seems like when Snyder was making his movies, he was making the characters the way he wanted. And you have Patty Jenkins come in and James Wan come in and they're giving these characters more to do because they're less a piece of the puzzle like they are in Justice League and more of their own character to stand on their own two legs. And they have to because they have to lead an entire film. Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman were these gloomy, dark, you know, Batman can get raped in my movie. Seriously, Zack Snyder said that. That, you know, he wanted the Joker to rape Batman in prison in a future film. You have those, and then he saw just a massive backlash against that super dark tone. Wonder Woman or Shazam, or especially Wonder Woman 84, if those had been made before the backlash, those probably would have been those grim, dark movies i sure. think that was those were a almost overcorrection of the response batman versus superman got i would agree with you 100 percent. it was an overcorrection but at least in wonder woman we got to see david thewlis's giant mustache sticking out of that Ares helmet so you know the universe gifted us some some positives out of that i i did wonder woman 84 well wonder woman i hated I've hated all of these, but, you know, Mike's known me long enough that it's not a surprise at all. I don't think you're part of a group of people that aren't loud about their feelings. Either you like DC or you hate DC, and there doesn't seem to be middle ground anymore. And you can't even like Marvel and DC. You have to like one or the other. It's it's fucking insanity to me. It makes no sense. Well, you also have the Snyder cultists, which we can talk about later with the, the response, even just within one day that this this cut, this movie, this miniseries, this bloated, dying whale that it is, has gotten. You have these Snyder cultists. Oh my God, he's a genius. He keeps being handcuffed by Warner Brothers. Oh my God, if they would just let his vision, it would just decimate Marvel. Oh my God, Snyder, Snyder, Snyder. There are these cultists around him. Before we get into the cult, which is very much responsible for the Snyder cut. Let's talk about the Whedon version though, a little bit. And let's talk about what we saw in that version, because I just rewatched that one last Did night. Did you see it in and, theaters, Mike? Um, 
I saw it theatrically, yes. Okay, so I did as well. So we all saw it theatrically, at least, right? Okay. Saw it theatrically. Apparently, though, I didn't stay till the end credits, though, to see this Deathstroke scene. It's painful. There are a lot of painful things in that movie. The whole lip thing. The lip bothers me so much. I couldn't get over how much of the lip was... It was so distracting. Well, in that you start the movie with that. You start the movie with the kids off screen and just staying on Henry Cavill's face that whole time and getting to see that lip front and center and just that dead space. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? It just drove me crazy. Do you know what's actually worse than that, Mike? Vertical video. I was very surprised that they didn't have like little hearts coming up and stuff to be like, this is showing live on Instagram right now kind of thing. It feels like the reason they did it in the Whedon version to open the film was to like hang a lantern on it and just be like, look, we can't do anything about this. So let's just like get it out of the way now, because if you see it now, once you've seen it a couple more times in the film, it won't be as jarring because it looks like there's an app on your phone where you can replace people's mouths on pictures. It looks like that. It looks like a $10 app off of the fucking app store. Fans would take it and they would redo the FX on their laptop and it looked better than probably the millions of dollars Warner Brothers spent. When the fans can clean it up better than you, in, in two, three days after the bootlegs come out, you failed. And it's really sad that there's a lot of stuff with both movies. Normally, friend of the podcast, he was on my last episode, Colin Gallagher, was talking about how people are claiming this is an unprecedented release. The history behind the Whedon movie is as wild. We could fill this whole podcast just talking about Whedon's movie, and we have another four-hour movie to talk about, too. It's insane. The mouth thing alone is something thousands of YouTubers have made content about for fucking years now, and that's one aspect of the Whedon movie. Just one aspect of it. Not to mention the tone or the Russian family or all the other crap in the Whedon movie that was taken out in the Snyder Cut, thankfully. I had... No memory of Holt McCallany being in Justice League. Absolutely no memory. So this whole like post-opening scene with Batman and him on the roof and all this kind of stuff, no memory. None at all. I remembered it because that was the first that was when the first season of Mindhunter came out. Was around the time Justice League did. And so I was like, oh, it's the guy from Mindhunter. That's weird. The whole thing about the parademon. Forgive me if I screw up and I call parademons Chitari. I don't know why I keep thinking that they're exactly the same creatures as the Chitari from the Avengers. Oh, I guess maybe because they are. But the whole thing of fear attracts them, and I guess the planet is afraid because Superman's gone. So this whole thing of I'm going to hang Holt McCallany over the edge, and it's going to attract a parademon. I'm going to lock it in a in a in a net, and then it's going to self destruct for whatever reason, and it's going to leave an impression of the three boxes in its goo on the wall. That is some of the worst stuff that I've ever encountered. I'm just like, what? What? Why would they leave three boxes in the impression? Why did they? Why did it self destruct? Mike, have you ever considered when you watched Justice League theatrically, you were in an alternate dimension where you saw a version we never did? Because I, I love how, like, you're being taken aback by things from the original theatrical cut. It was that 
milk toast and boring that I forgot most of it as well. And when I rewatched it, I was like, man, I just like some of this stuff I don't remember at all. So many just weird little things like um, the opening credits where it's got the Daily Planet and it's got Prince and Bowie and Superman. And it says, did they return to their planet? And I'm just like, really? That was in this movie? (laughs) No, I don't like the Joss Whedon intro scene, but I liked it, that idea, because he has some line about it's because he's gone, isn't it? That we've lost hope or something along those lines. I kind of like that idea, which is touched upon in the Snyder version, but not dealt with. I liked that idea that, like, the world was in mourning for Superman. That was kind of a neat idea that I didn't think was explored properly in the Whedon cut, though. But that, Zack Snyder, I mean, having joy in a movie? No, he had to get rid of all of that. It still cracks me up that because of how successful Marvel had been in building a universe through 23 films, and this was 2017, so it wasn't 23 at the time, but they had done such a successful job at building a world to set the Avengers film in that they rushed so badly with Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman to have Batman and Superman fight in the second film in which Batman in this version shows up for the first time. This is Superman's second film and Superman dies in his second film. And then he gets resurrected in the third film that he's in. That to me is just a complete waste of the Superman's arc to begin with. And obviously Snyder cut and Whedon cut have different ways of handling it, but in the Whedon cut or just in general, because that is something both films share Snyder and Whedon is bringing Superman back The fact that they got three movies in and that's how they had the Superman resurrection arc was handled between two movies is kind of nuts, given how big of a deal it was when it came out as a comic book. Well, it was also so compressed time-wise from what Marvel had been doing, they literally emailed the Justice League into Batman vs. Superman. They were literally attachments. They were literally emailed into the movie. A friend of mine, Sarah... She, you know, she's a comic book nerd. She's worked on like, you know, snakes on a plane and stuff like this. She didn't believe me when I told her about the email attachment. She couldn't believe that's how Aquaman, Cyborg and the Flash are introduced into this universe. And that Lex Luthor, I guess, made their logos. I mean, oh, come yeah. on. If you're going to have a superhero, you're going to make a logo for him, right? I can hear him now, like, calling up, you know, the graphic designer on the 23rd floor and just like, hey, I need a logo. It's for a guy that can run really fast. Oh, you know what? I need a guy who can breathe underwater and uh, a guy who we just kind of see in the background. And there's another guy and there's a, a square. So I don't even know what this guy's name is, but please make a logo for all of these. He looks kind of like Miles Dyson from Terminator 2. I will tell you one thing, watching the Whedon cut, that made more sense to me was they're not robbers. They're basically, they're terrorists. And the guy even says, like, we're a low-level splinter terrorist group. We're going to take society back to the Stone Age by killing some school kids. I don't understand that either. Like, take society back to the Stone Age by, I don't know, maybe Project Mayhem, like blowing up all of the credit card companies and, like, electrical grid or those kind of things. Cutting off an EMP to, to oh, make a yeah. yeah. I found it interesting. There's a line that's in this Whedon cut, which makes a little bit more sense because of, uh, they say... Um, we know that sin has brought on this plague of Why aliens. Why the hostages? 
okay, so either they mean the plague of aliens as in Superman and maybe Wonder Woman is considered an alien or plague of aliens as in these parademons, which are allegedly like going all around. That kind of actually makes sense. But then the take the world back to the Stone Age doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm like, make these guys maybe religious fanatics and making some sort of statement about the parademons or whatever. You're going to take out four blocks. That that explosion that she throws through the roof, that was not going to take out four blocks. That would have been lucky to take out the building. I noticed that in Whedon's version, they had they didn't use bad language either. They were very proper criminals in the Whedon version. They didn't say fuck or shit or anything else. They were so courteous to those children that they were about to murder. Well, we had to keep this thing. PG. PG-13. No, maybe this was playing into a deleted subplot with all of those Stone, Stone Age guys. But you have absolute proof that aliens exist. The Kryptonian spacecraft, all the events of Man of Steel, you know that there was a super technologically advanced planet out there. You are studying the alien spacecraft, and people keep like, well, that's impossible. After aliens have landed on Earth and you've examined their technology, that's impossible is not a term anymore, okay? You don't get to be surprised anymore. Physics, as you know it, have changed. People are flying through the air. It would blow our minds. Our minds would collectively melt. There is something that goes on in both the Whedon and the Snyder that drives me nuts as far as how much time has passed between this scene and the last scene. And I know that for sure this whole thing, that opening scene with Batman that I talked about, had to be just added in because Batman's clean shaven. And the next time we see him, he's got a full beard. And I'm just like, okay, um, I think you said that you were going to go look for Arthur Curry. How many months has it taken you to look for this guy? <laughs> because now you have a full beard. There's a big, not continuity, but a big time error in the Whedon cut. When Wonder Woman is talking to Bruce at the at the lake, which is not in the Snyder Cut at all, and she's kind of talking a little bit and, you know, talks about the Green Lantern and the battle of men and all that, which is all set up differently. Like one of the guards at the prison where Wally is going to, then he sets look- up and calls that guy to set up the guard. And I'm like, wait a minute, these scenes are in the wrong order. It was like, wait a minute, you already have to have done this before you could have done this. The thing that stuck out to me last night when I rewatched the Whedon Justice League was just so many of the Whedonisms. And I think that Barry Allen suffers the most under Whedonisms because there are so many scenes of him just being a total shit, a dork, a, a, a doofus. You didn't know about brunch? You you need to know about brunch. What is brunch? You wait. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In line for an hour for essentially lunch. The drawing of the glasses and the tattoos on the big guy who's behind him at DMV or whatever that he's waiting for. I'm just like, okay, that's a Joss Whedon thing. There are just so many things that I'm just like, wow, this is Whedon trying to bring levity to this, and it just does not work. There was a line of dialogue that I was sure was a Whedon insert, and it wasn't. How did you get the house back from the bank? I bought the bank. Okay, Bruce, that's not how that works. If you buy the bank, she just doesn't... They don't just do what you say. That's not, I was sure that that was a Whedonism, but I guess it wasn't. But then there's so much more after that, that are Whedonisms. Like, the whole bank. It's like a reflex with me. Oh, after Superman died, this one, and I hate using this term, mother box, lit up like a Christmas tree. And it's like, okay. And then a few minutes later, cut to Themyscira and the box, there's a box, a mother, a one of three mother boxes there. And it's like, any changes today? No, no, everything's fine. Oh, wait, no, it awoke. And I'm like, well, why did one light up like a Christmas tree after Superman died? And now we're maybe months later, depending on how quickly Bruce Wayne grows a beard. And now finally this one on Themyscira lights up. I also like the fact, did you notice that all the Amazons were crowded around all waiting when it woke like... Remember in, like, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, when all of the tribal people start breaking out of the walls, and you kind of ask yourself, so do they just sit there all day? Do they take shifts, like the Looney Tunes, Morning Ralph, Morning Fred? It's like, wait, is that your job, to stand there with your sword like this, just in case the Mother Box wakes up? I've been a Mother Box watcher for, uh, well, my entire life, and my mother was a Mother Box watcher. My mother's mother... I come from a long line of mother boxes. Don't forget, it also turns out your job is completely worthless, you're terrible at it, and it doesn't matter anyways. Congratulations, you've wasted your life. And I love the complaint about Marvel movies, which is the big light from the sky, and how does Steppenwolf get around but a big light from the sky? <laughs> the big tube, the light tube in the sky. The, the boom tubes are from the comics. Yeah. And they're, okay. they're, called, boom they're called boom tubes, yes. The boom tubes are, okay. have been in the comics since the 60s, yep. so they do get a pass on the boom tubes. Just like they technically get a pass on the mother box. They didn't come up with the name mother box. Exactly. The mother boxes are from the Kirby stuff from the 60s as well. So. Same with something else we're going to talk about that sounds equally stupid, and I know Josh will get a kick out of this. Granny Goodness, also another terrible name for a character, but another character that needs to be taken seriously because he shows up in the Snyder Cut. You have to point out who that was because... When Darkseid, is, he's got Desaad on one side... And the the gray-haired old lady-looking one, that's Granny Goodness. Yeah, I will admit, I was much more of a, a Marvel guy growing up. DC, you know, I, I watched the Superman films. I watched, uh, you know, all four of those. I, I used to watch uh, Batman, I guess. Uh, so I, I knew a little bit about these. I watched the Batman movies, but yeah, I was not a DC reader. So, like, the whole character of Darkseid, he's... 
very new to me. And Steppenwolf, 100% new. Well, and the other thing, Mike, that you mentioned is I think, and like Josh, I wonder if you, you agree with me, like the Reeves Superman and the Keaton Superman and a lot of everything before now has stayed away from the fourth world stuff. Yeah, even Marvel stayed away from their version of the weird stuff. They're just now getting into the multiverse and the cosmic strange stuff. They're just now getting to it because they know that it's going to be a hurdle for casual viewers to get over and some of these things are just weirdo things from the comics that make perfect sense in the comics like boom tubes but if this is the first time you've ever seen it because this is the first time it's ever shown up in a movie you're going to be completely taken aback and dc didn't do a very good job of introducing these things to the audience in a way that isn't and mike you'll probably get a chuckle out of this i compare snyder's justice league to David Lynch's Dune. It's as problematic as that movie is with having things go on that if you have, uh, you know, kind of a reference point with the source material, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the, you know, all the things in Dune, like the weirding modules, stuff like that. Like, that's like the mother boxes. It's weird, but like, I'm a Dune fan, so I accept it. But like, mother box, boy, that sounds real dumb, doesn't it? It sounds real dumb and bad. Infinity Stone sounds a lot better. He was still alive when they supposedly shot some of this footage. Why did they not get Rene Abajanois to voice Desaad? He was the voice of Desaad on Super Friends. You've been sapped of your free will, Wonder Woman. There was a moment that Snyder did fix that I laughed out loud in the theater at. That they're all off fighting the resurrected Superman in the day for night nonsense in the Whedon cut. And the mother box has landed just on top of that car. And then the boom tube comes down and they totally forgot about it. And, you know, right in the theater, I turned to my girlfriend and went, yoink, that needed just a yoink sound effect. At least the Snyder cut fixed that. That wasn't nearly as dumb as it was in the Whedon cut. There is a sound effect, speaking of boom tubes, there's a sound effect that happens after Steppenwolf appears or disappears that is basically like the noise that the great gazoo would make in the flintstones it was just like this little noise i'm like what the hell is that that was some of the worst sound design (laughs) that i've heard more whedonisms we have so much of martha and lois together and this whole weird thing of he said that you were the thirstiest young woman he ever met (laughs) Hungriest. Using thirst in that way, in a very 2017 way, I like, it took me a minute to even cast my mind back to thirst traps and all those kind of things. I was just so disappointed that that joke was even thought of, much less put into a multi-million dollar film. Joss Whedon was chortling to himself while writing that down, just like, how can I make something funny? I'll put thirst in a Justice League movie. That'll make them laugh. Oh, the other thing I forgot was the whole idea, too, of 
the parademons not liking sirens because when I was rewatching that first scene with the parademon and Batman and him are fighting way up above the city and all this stuff and then just happen to land back on the same roof that they started on, which was amazing, that somewhere in the middle of the fight, the siren starts going off. I'm like looking at my computer. I'm looking at my phone. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Talk about bad sound design. I'm just like, where's this noise coming from? <laughs> and then later on, he says to Alfred, they really hated the siren noise. You know, we got to use that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. The siren was coming from the TV. I thought it was from outside. There's also something about the parademons that I like better in the Whedon cuts, shockingly enough. When they have the flashback to all the armies fighting, well, it's Steppenwolf in the Whedon cut, you actually see how parademons get made. They get like the corrupted fallen. They don't do that in the Snyder version. That makes them almost more pitiable. These were once your comrades that are now this zombie-like demon. That's actually more horrifying, I think. Well, they cut. They mention it in the Snyder cut. They me- they one line mention it. And the one of the guys cut, on the ground gets stabbed, and then he starts shriveling up and stuff. And I'm like, that was kind of neat. Yeah. Then in Snyder, it's like a one line throwaway. It's like, uh, they raise the world, and everybody becomes parademons. It's like I would rather see that actually. And like you said, Whedon actually shows it, which I do appreciate. It's that old screenwriting thing, right? You you, you tell it, you don't show it. To be honest with Joss Whedon, though, he was one of the few guys who could break that rule. And I, I look at the pilot episode of Firefly, the version that was the original screener version given to critics, the battle of serenity was told by the two survivors and so much emotion in their voice and tone. But in the aired version, they showed the battle. It didn't have nearly the impact of watching these PTSD characters telling it. Sometimes telling is better than showing. The famous speech from Jaws is all told and not shown. Thank God they didn't cut to, you know, a de-aged Quaid out there floating with Herbie, and Herbie uh, ends up and he doesn't have any legs anymore, you know. Speaking of that, that Nicolas Cage USS Annapolis, that's a Jaws prequel, right? Exactly, it is. It's in the Jaws-averse. But see, here's the funny thing. If you're not Joss Whedon and you're Zack Snyder, you don't have you don't choose between show and not tell or tell and don't show. You could do both. <laughs> you can do both. And guess what? It doesn't work. That battle against Steppenwolf, I had forgotten about the one Green Lantern that showed up. I thought it would have been like the whole Green Lantern core that showed up. You would think that, and especially it wouldn't be the Green Lantern of the Earth sector because that was almost always a human. Although I think Avi and Sewer was the Green Lantern of that sector before he chose Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner and all that. But yeah, you, you would think the lanterns, they were supposed to be in more. We're going to, I got to bounce between the two cuts for a moment. Martian Manhunter scenes, you know, when he visits Bruce at the lakeside cabin in the original script, I don't know if they ever shot this. They did. That was, that was Kellogg of the Green Lantern Corps meeting with him, offering their services. Snyder said recently that they did shoot that scene with the Green Lantern, but Warner Brothers told him, we have our own plans for Green Lantern, the Green Lantern characters, which they do. They do. They're not lying. They have a TV show coming out on HBO Max. But that was their reason. Whatever the fuck amount of value you put into that statement is fine, but... 
whatever. I mean, it's okay. Just restrict people from using characters because you're going to use them as well. So they take these three mother boxes and they give one to the elves, one to the dwarves, and one to the humans. But they were all of them deceived. And the fire drinks from the north get nothing. Let's not kid ourselves. In the Snyder Cut, there should have been a moment where Superman and Batman were talking to each other. And Batman looked at Superman and went, where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? When the Amazonians shoot the arrow and it lands in that temple and lights up, I'm just like, Good knuckles for eight! And Rohan will answer. Batman should have asked Superman. Now, I don't know if they were just making an implication. So, okay, Lois says, you know, you've accepted, you know, because she's wearing the wedding ring. Do you notice she had a pregnancy test in her drawer? Where her Force majeure, dude. It was force majeure. The lack of subtlety is shocking. He is like a wooden mallet to the forehead with subtlety. It just knocks you out. The music cues in the, well, in both movies, we'll talk about the Snyder one, but the music cues in the Whedon one were just killing me. The use of the white stripes for uh, Arthur Curry when he's walking and drinking and about to go back in the ocean. I'm just like, wow, what the fuck am I watching? Not as bad as the end credits song of, what is it, Come Together by Aerosmith. I'm just like... W- w- why come together i guess with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Because all the, the superheroes are coming together, but why? Why are you using this? <laughs> so bad. And I had forgotten how they plant that Russian family, that goddamn Russian family who I guess is living like, what, 10 miles away from the old cooling tower of Chernobyl? What are they doing there? I, I really want to talk about the Russian family because it's the thing that I think the weeded movie has like the funniest leg up on the Snyder cut for is the Russian family. I think that they might eventually become stalkers in the zone. I mean, they mentioned in the Snyder cut that that area is like irradiated to hell. Like there's a joke about it, about how the guy's going to grow a foot out of his ass or something. What's insane to me is that Whedon felt it necessary to add what could conceivably be called a side plot to the climax of the film. A unnecessary side plot that adds nothing. Zero. It, it adds so little that by not having it in a different cut of the film, that cut is better. Wildly better. The climax actually somewhat works without a random Russian family stinking up the joint. I was actually waiting for them while while watching the the uh, Snyder cut. I was Me like, too. 
because I didn't know if those were a Whedon creation or a Snyder creation. So I was happily surprised they didn't show up. It feels like Whedon wanted to do it for one reason. He's like, wouldn't it be cool if Flash pushed a car? No, it wouldn't be. (laughs) It's not cool at all. It kind of takes Flash out of everything. I mean, Flash really isn't in the climax anyways, which is funny that they actually figured out how to keep Flash out of the climax. And so that's what they did. That's all it is. If you think about it, Flash isn't in the Snyder Cut climax, but he's not in the Whedon Cut climax either. So they had to figure out a way to get him out of it without completely changing the the film and having it go closer to, quote, Snyder's vision of the film. So the Russian family is a means to an end. And it is a terrible means to an end. It keeps Flash far away from the main fight, which is what it had to do. Well, that they keep cutting back to them. And then there's like the parademons are outside of the house. And they're like, what happens when we run out of food? And I'm like, well, first off, your English is very good. But and then that the little girl has bug spray. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is terrible. At least Superman didn't pick up a building and move it because the structural integrity of buildings is do that. Don't you know? Remind me, sorry to, to jump back like quite a few minutes. Is there a moment after wonder woman saves the kids that the, the, is there a little girl that says, I want to be like you in the Whedon version? No, No. that whole bank subplotty thing is not as drawn out. (laughs) <laughs> it's not as funny in the Whedon version. A guy doesn't get pink misted in bunch of, in front of a bunch of children, and the children are just like, ah, okay, can I be like you so that I can just murder people with wanted abandon? That dude got blown up in front of children by another human being, and those people were okay with it. Because we're in the Zack Snyderverse now where violence is cool. I was talking about the music cues, and I had forgotten that Elfman came in and did the score for Whedon's Justice League and did all of these little nods, one to himself and then two to John Williams. So when J.K. Simmons shows up as Commissioner Gordon and then Batman shows up, in the Whedon version, that's the second time we see Batman as Batman, but in the Snyder version, and I know I'm jumping ahead, in the Snyder version, that's the first time we see him. They save that, you know, until later. Like, we don't see him as Batman. He's mostly Bruce Wayne and throughout the whole beginning of the Snyder version, and but he jumps back and forth in the Whedon version between... It's very much a Jaws-esque thing, right? Like, keep him at the back. Give him, make Batman being a, a thing on screen super cool, right? Whereas we'll show Cyborg whenever he shows up and Flash whenever he shows up. And Flash, there's that whole thing where they go and save all the, the kidnapped scientists. And the whole save one speech is whole cloth Whedon. So I was very surprised to find that, that um, that was his whole thing of, I was going to say anytime the Flash is incompetent, it's a Whedon thing, but he does trip over his own feet in both versions, or trip over like a step when he's trying to, I don't know, uh, understand the purpose of him having to super run around the thing and push the sword up to Wonder Woman, because she ends up falling on the ground and then stepping off. You know, falls a few minutes later. Yeah, I guess that's why. 
That's dramatic. <laughs> it's cool, man. I guess so. It's the cult of cool, dude. You just don't know it, man. You don't get it, man. You're not about the sizzle, brother. You're about the steak. Zack Snyder's about the sizzle, man. He's the sizzle man. He's not a steak man. He's about the sizzle. I want the scent of the steak. Not I don't want to taste it. I think Whedon's just as guilty as this stuff, though. Oh, 100%. Whedon is all about making characters say funny, cool things that don't make any fucking sense that the characters should be saying that shit, period. Fucking quips. The Justice League of America, the combined might and power of the Man of Steel and the Cosmic Crusader, the Winged Avenger and the King of the Sea, the Tiny Titan and the Scarlet Street, all working together for good against evil as the Justice League of America. Because the credit sequences are different on both of them, do you think now that we know what the differences between the Snyder Cut and the Whedon Cut are, that that whole intro sequence where everything's in slow motion and the guy's kicking oranges and all this, you know, in the death of Batman, and the homeless guy where it says, I tried, of it, directed by Joss Whedon, do you think that that was absolutely intentional now? Yes. Now that we know did, that, that he absolutely meant that for us to pick up on josh did you not think that before this anyways i think we all did right i did really josh is blowing my mind right now and making me think yes that was a message to us i tried i thought that when i saw it the first time i was like this can't be unintentional it has to be intentional wow when i saw it in the theater the whole i tried right underneath the like additional scenes by joss whedon or whatever it was I'm like, okay, is that the editor fucking around, or is that intentional? Yeah, I thought it was intentional. Chris is like four years yeah. ahead of us. And, t- and to your point, Josh, like now knowing what we know, that that movie is not referenced, especially that not that intro scene. I think 100% that's an intent by either, either Whedon did it himself, or he told his editor, like, do it like this, people pick up on it, you know, the, the you know, whatever, whoever picks up on it. Chris Stashy will pick up on it. I don't know how much more there we want to talk about the Whedon cut, but I do want to ask you guys, looking at the Snyder cut, and we're about to talk about it, or I'm sure we're getting close, talking about the Snyder cut, right? How does the Whedon cut look now, four years later, post-Snyder cut, versus four years ago? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Is it the same like I said, I watched it last night. Are you talking about when I watched it last night or if I think back on it after having watched the Snyder Cut? Has it changed in between the time you saw it the first time and post-Snyder Cut? Now that I see what Whedon brought to the party, I didn't respect the movie before. It's kind of like the person you pick up at the club and take home and you're just like, yeah, we're just having sex and I won't respect you in the morning. I didn't respect the Whedon Cut in the morning. But I didn't respect it at the at the time either. So I knew from the beginning I wasn't going to respect that film. And it's worse now after having seen the Snyder Cut, I think. What about you, Josh? Do you want to get shot or do you want to get stabbed? You're still cutting in. Well, I, at least I'm but I, You are on my end, too, but I get what you're asking. As for me, I remember watching Justice League in the theaters when it came out and thinking to myself... If this is the best foot that you can put forward, given everything that you've seen and done in the last 
10 years since Dark Knight came out, because Dark Knight came out in, what, 2008? And Justice League came out in 2017, so nine years. If this is the logical next step for DC is to make a Justice League movie, and this is the meeting of three of the greatest superheroes in pop culture history, and this is what you're doing, this is a mess. And having seen the Snyder Cut, it's more of a mess. It's a big mess. It's a worse mess. Like you said, Mike, it's worse. It's it's way worse. It's so bad that there is no reason to watch the Whedon Cut. I would go as far as to say you, you would never need to watch the Whedon Cut unless you're a Whedon apologist, but I guarantee it. You're not that big of a Whedon apologist any more than the biggest Whedon apologist is. The Whedon cut of the movie is terrible with a capital T. The Whedon cut is is the worst DC movie of the DCEU. It's the worst, absolute worst. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll say that. What's worse what's worse than Justice League Whedon cut? 1984 Wonder Woman 84 I think is a bigger disaster. Yeah, but at least Wonder Woman 84 tells a coherent story. Is it a story that makes very little sense from a morality standpoint? Sure. But at least it doesn't feel like a Frankenstein's monster of a fucking movie where there's two tones that are like going back and forth because Whedon tries to say, I can't unweeded myself, so I'm going to Whedon up the Snyder movie. And he can't do that because Snyder's vision, again, going back to my example earlier, Snyder's vision is so narrow that it is hard for other directors like Joss Whedon, who has his own unique style, to play successfully in that sandbox. He can't do it. The thing I'll say between those two is I liked say that about Wonder Woman 84. I despised that movie from beginning to end. I mean, that's fair. I, I don't think that you're in the minority in saying that you didn't like Wonder Woman 84. I think a lot of people disliked Wonder Woman 84. I think a lot more people disliked Wonder Woman 84 than they thought that than thought were going to dislike it. I think a lot of people were expecting they were going to go into it and get a movie that was as good as Wonder Woman was believed to be by a lot of people. And it really under-delivered. But I'll, I'll also say for the Whedon cut, before we leave that, there's a line of dialogue that uh, works in the, in the Whedon cut that's not in the Snyder cut that I think worked well. When Superman is all crazy and confused in the Whedon cut, do you bleed? Because that's a direct callback. Sure. And you got to think, that's one of the last things he heard from Batman before he died. That I liked. I got to admit, I liked that line. I was kind of surprised that wasn't in the Snyder cut. Me too, given that Snyder is the one who introduced it in BVS. That was his unique vision. His magnum opus, I think his magnum opus is probably this now, not BVS Ultimate Edition. But yeah, it's weird because it's a callback that works way too well to get rid of it. And there's a problem in both versions I do want to address, though, because I was hoping the Snyder Cut would fix a problem from the Whedon Cut. Do secret identities not exist anymore, Mike, Chris? Because, I mean, they're sitting there with police officers and soldiers all around calling him Clark, Clark, Clark. Bruce Wayne dressed like a bat. And it's like, did with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do we not? I mean, does no one think it's weird that Clark Kent goes back to work at the Daily Planet at the same time Superman is brought back when they had a funeral for Clark Kent and everything? No one thinks this is weird. Also, Superman is running around looking just like Clark Kent. A dude in pants. I mean, he's walking around as Clark Kent. He's literally wearing Clark Kent's clothing because he's wearing the pants he was buried in as Clark Kent. Yeah, I like how that explosion knocks his tie, his shirt, his jacket off, but leaves the pants. Do you think Henry Cavill has like a Brandon Routh problem too? Like a good problem to have? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like hung like a horse. (laughs) Yes, like hung like a horse. <laughs> yeah, the the thing with both the Ralph, but especially the Cavill versions, is that Clark Kent is just Superman with glasses. It is not the the we were talking about this on the Superman podcast that I did for the projection booth was how effective Christopher Reeve was when it came to his portrayal of Clark Kent that he's basically giving a double performance, whereas Cavill. He's just one one person the whole time. Like his Clark Kent is just him with glasses. There's no like stuttering, muttering, unsure of himself, nerdery. There's no personality differences between the two of them. Or maybe if there were, we just don't get enough of it to be able to tell. Or it's not in the hand of someone who knows how to handle the subtlety of an actor playing two characters and or even writing an actor playing two characters. Or he doesn't want his characters to appear weak in any way. That's another thing, I think. Weak characters aren't cool, bro. Yeah, it's all about being cool. I think that's the biggest thing for Snyder is how do I make this cool and how do I make it cooler? And that's like the only things that he's really super interested in. So when it comes to humor or those kind of things, the Whedon version, I will never really need to see it again. There are so many bad jokes, like that whole scene of uh, Aquaman talking and talking and talking, and then you find out that he's sitting on the lasso. It's like that, oh God, him talking about how gorgeous Wonder Woman is. I'm just like, oh, this is so... Not good. Come on. Very much Joss Whedon projecting. Weird. There is so much we could continue to talk about with the Whedon cut, given the Whedon cut would seem to be the downfall of Joss Whedon's entire career, is his version of Justice League ended up setting off dominoes that had people coming out against him from Justice League and now from I'm only mentioning this not because of Justice League, but because of Buffy. Because of people on Buffy were saying, look, we knew we couldn't leave Michelle Trachtenberg around this guy alone. That was a mandate on set. 
holy shit, guys, that's awful. That's fucking terrible. None of us in the entertainment industry, because let's not kid ourselves, that's what's, what's what we do here. None of us should be okay with anyone having to say that, because that's fucking awful. And this guy should apologize. I don't know if that would be enough for a lot of people, but... The shit, the shit has hit the fan for Joss Whedon, and Justice League seems to have been the catalyst. It's insane. The thing I really liked was reading about that he was so pissed off about how bad Age of Ultron did that he took that anger into Justice League and was like, listen, motherfuckers, I don't take notes from any of you actors. I didn't take notes from Robert Downey Jr., so why am I going to take notes from you, Ray fucking Fisher? And I'm just like, whoa, okay. And Because, yeah, Age of Ultron, I'm sorry, it's one of the worst of the Marvel movies. And no matter how many times WandaVision tried to convince me to go back and rewatch it and maybe try to reevaluate it, I ain't going back. It's just, it's not good. There's one good thing about that movie. James Spader. Yeah, Spader That's was it. good. But but there's actually something, though, this might be a controversial take between the Whedon cut and the Snyder cut now that we've seen them both. Everyone online is complaining, you know, oh my God, Joss Whedon, you know, cut a person of color out. You know, Cyborg's got a full story. I hated his story in Snyder Cut. I think the character worked better in the Whedon Cut because there are just so many. So his dad built him to be like the ultimate weapon and hacker thing. Let's just give that to an emotionally disturbed teenager. And then his whole fuck the world. I actually think he's a bigger asshole in the Snyder Cut. He was a more relatable character in the Whedon Cut, shockingly enough. I could not disagree more. I loved Ray Fisher in the Snyder Cut. I thought he played the asshole character the way I was hoping he would, and it landed. But I understand not liking it. I 100% get it. My only experience with Cyborg is through Doom Patrol, the TV series. And he's kind of an asshole in that, too. So I didn't mind him in this. I finally figured it out, folks, in case you want to know. In case you want to know why the Snyder Cut is four fucking hours long, it's because it contains two origin movies shoved into a two-hour movie. So basically we get... Three. Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg. They all get an origin. I don't count Aquaman's origin story in this. You should, because it was an origin story for Aquaman. It 100% was. Where's Tamora Morrison and, and Nicole Kidman? That's his origin story. It is because they added it into Aquaman. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hindsight being 2020 again, right? I could not remember when this takes place as opposed to Aquaman. So I'm just like, does he know Amber Heard? Does he know Willem Dafoe? Have we already had this adventure? And then at one point she talks about what a dick his brother is. I'm like, okay, I guess we haven't had that adventure yet. So I thought that he didn't even know about the Atlanteans at this point. So, But I will say all of the Flash stuff, all of the Cyborg stuff, that to me makes up the majority of the shit that was cut out of the Snyder Cut. The stuff that Whedon just chopped it out. These are full movies that are inside of here. Maybe not, to Josh's point, maybe not like a redemption story for Cyborg. Maybe I would hate The Flash if I saw this as his origin story. I probably would, because he's kind of a spaz. Maybe a little bit retarded, but 
man, I, I'm just like, oh, no wonder this is so much because there's so much fucking Flash and Cyborg in here. It's crazy. Yeah, I have in my notes here, I wrote, it's two or it's three origin stories with Justice League tacked on because that's what it is. It is three movies. We're never going to see that Flash character the way he is in Justice League ever again. He's going to be different in the Flash movies. So this is the version of the Flash's origin story. We're going to see Billy Crudup's not even going to be in the Flash movie. All the stuff with Iris, with Iris West could have completely been cut. I actually thought she was going to be a character that might have had dialogue besides, oh, come on, when her car didn't oh, start. is that who that is? I didn't know she was supposed to be a character. It's his future wife. Oh, You wow. are my future wife. Again, I know nothing of these characters. Mike, that's how inconsequential it is that she doesn't even get an on-camera name. Yet they but spend, she is what? His- yeah. Seven minutes on her? My wife, my future wife, you, are we expecting? Fucking insane, because again, you would have to be someone who has a cursory knowledge of the comic books to know who that is. I picked up the Grood reference because of him saying that he knows gorilla sign language. But that was it. Gorillas have actually been a mainstay of DC Comics for decades, with Gorilla Grodd arguably being the most famous of them all. Since his debut in 1959, Grodd has been a major menace to the Flash, as well as many other heroes in the DC Universe. Shit, I didn't pick up on that reference, but I also didn't think that... I mean, sure, okay. That also, like you said, that whole scene cuts out the brunch thing, and I don't have any friends, and I don't understand how people work. I mean, really... I would say putting him beyond on the spectrum. Whedon makes him a total spaz. And I'm just like, I don't have any friends is in the Snyder cut though. It is. Okay. That's That's like the first thing he says to it. The brunch stuff, right? Yeah. The brunch stuff isn't in there, but as soon as Batman goes like, I want you to join the team. He's like, yes, yes, I'll join. I don't have any friends. Like, okay. You probably compressed them in your mind because you watched them so close together, Mike. Well, and then there's also like the stuff when he's coming out of the building where I guess the Flash lives in a warehouse, which is kind of cool. It's a pretty cool warehouse. But he's poor. He's poor. He's poor and he lives in this giant warehouse with tons of TVs and this asshole can't pay for school? What insanity is this shit? he has NASA technology for a costume he's building for himself? But he's poor. He can't go to school. He could sell that suit for hundreds of thousands of dollars. He could steal money so easily as the Flash. I'm sorry. He's still working on the suit, he says. But Suicide Squad took place before, and he captured Captain Boomerang in Australia. So was he already operating as the Flash? Before we talk about the Snyder Cut, because we're still kind of just punching holes in it before we really take a knife and stab it. We do need to address something that's going to be over an overarching thing we talk about here. There are a lot of (laughs) that the continuity doesn't make sense right here. And now let's just get let's hang a lantern on it. The continuity is going to make no sense because this is essentially operating inside of its own closed loop. It is absolutely bizarre. When is this in the story? What is happening? How long has happened? Because there are so many times where it's like, okay, I'll go, you know, like uh, Diane is like, you go get the Flash, I'll go get Cyborg, and then it feels like a half an hour passes, and then we see her and Cyborg. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I mean, it reminds me of Lord of the Rings if you didn't know what you were doing. I'm going to get this out of the way, and both of you are probably about to get real mad at me. 
I actually liked the cider cut. I actually enjoyed it. I would actively watch more movies in the Snyder. Yeah, and look, I get it. Like, I understand, but here is why. This is so fucking weird that I'm here for the weirdness. I want to see how weird this can get. Because when I was watching the Snyder Cut, and yeah, I may have been under the influence a little bit, I still could not process that what I was watching actually was real. It was so weird that this movie came out and it is not the movie we saw from Weeded. It's not at all. It is such a different experience completely different. Yeah, there's, you know, they're gonna fight under Gotham Harbor. They're gonna fight at the power plant in whatever unnamed Eastern European block country. They're gonna do this. They're gonna, you know, he's gonna go to that little Nordic fishing town. But you know where it's going, but you don't know anything that's going to happen there. And boy, like, I can't even begin to be as surprised as I am that I enjoyed this shit because... Mike knows very well that I went into this absolutely being convinced that this was going to be the biggest waste of four hours. And yeah, about an hour and a half of it was a waste of time. But two and a, there were two and a half hours in this movie that I genuinely found compelling and interesting. Not You notice I didn't say good. I said compelling and interesting because it's just weird. It's just a weird thing that exists. I hated this. This thing was a fucking slog to get through. But let's put the elephant in the room away right now. So a lot of people online, the response, and I don't know, Chris, if you have the same ideal, are going, oh, my God, this is so good. This is the version that should have been released. This movie would never have come out in theaters, period. There's no way this is a viable theater release, period. But, But not just that. This is him after seeing the response of Aquaman and all that. This is him doing his cut in hindsight. Let's say Warner Brothers would have allowed a four-hour cut to theaters. That's not the version that he's now. And that's what people, they're just, the Snyder cultists keep, this is, you know, a redemption for us. This is what should have come out. This isn't what was going to come out. No, it's, it's, they, they, they're, look, it's, it's retroactively changing history to fit the narrative now when everybody knows how this worked. Yeah, no, I'm not, no one in this podcast is going to sit here and pretend like this movie that we're seeing today is the movie that we would have seen should he been given the opportunity to release it three, four years ago now. That movie would have been us a, a different monster, but a monster, it, it would have been close to what we're seeing now. But it would not have, it would have been a darker, more dour piece of film. Because all the just have faith shit, like, no, 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 none of that was in the original movie. We all know it because it wasn't in Batman versus Superman. That was never the mindset. That was never the, that was never the theme or the goal of the movie was to show how much faith they have in Superman. That was added in now because, like you said, Josh, it's changing history after the fact and saying, oh, yeah, well, you can't tell me that I wasn't going to do that because you don't get a chance to see the 2017 version. So here's the 2021 version. Take my word for it. This is what it was going to be. I I can almost guarantee all of the post-apocalyptic, the nightmare vision stuff, that was all redone because Amber Heard said she was called back for reshoots. So Mara being in that, the Deathstroke actor, Joe... Manginello. He was called back. So 
all of that stuff. And, you know, we know Jared Leto as the Joker was a callback. All of that stuff was 2020 footage. You can tell by Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck is tiny. He is a tiny man. The Martian Manhunter Ben Affleck scene. Look at how skinny Ben Affleck is in that. He he is not the buff Bruce Wayne he was during the the real shooting in 2016. You get that, but I I do want to mention, speaking of the Joker scene. Okay, first I hate Jared Leto and his Joker was just whatever. But I actually He's damaged, Josh. Be nice. Twisted. He wasn't damaged yet. He didn't have the tattoo in this, so he wasn't damaged. He must have got it removed, I think. Well, I was about to say, yeah. he has some makeup but on it. He, yeah. he makes a reference <laughs> He's got a lot to, of makeup on. <laughs> to, you know, if, if you kill me, who's going to give you a reach around? And I thought, that can't be a reference to what I think it is. Because before Justice League, or maybe this was during Batman versus Superman, he, Snyder was like, this is so dark. Batman, I want Batman to get raped in prison by the Joker in my movie. And fans were like, what the fuck? Was that a joke to that? That whole reach around thing? Was that a fucking rape joke? Josh, I feel like there were a lot of jokes in this movie that were meant to be taken as like a nod to the fans who got this made. There are a couple lines in the Snyder Cut where I'm like, it's like that Joss Whedon I tried thing where it's like, am I picking up on something here that I'm not supposed to? That's not meant for me. Is that like when the guy says, I'm the juggernaut, bitch? <laughs> no, that's just a shameless ripoff of someone else's funny online video that they didn't give credit to. So, Mike, I'm curious because Josh and I have kind of sat here and given our thoughts. Mike, what did you think of the Snyder cut? The people who were so petulant about the Snyder cut. Josh, you used the word cult, and I have to 100% agree. I tried my best to block every way that you could write Snyder Cut, release a Snyder Cut, hashtag this, hashtag that, just in regular plain language. I think I have blocked on Twitter every single use of Snyder that you could possibly get. Like, I probably wouldn't even be able to see our tweets about tonight's live podcast because I have blocked everyone because everyone who wanted this just seemed like an asshole. I know we, on the last episode of the culture cast that came out yesterday, we talked with Richard Haddam, who's a screenwriter in Hollywood. And we talked a little bit about this with Richard about, does this set a dangerous precedent for the industry? And Richard says, no. And I think Richard's justification from an industry veteran, because Richard has been a veteran of the industry for 25 plus years now, I think his answer makes sense. And I'm starting to see where he's coming from because there is that reactionary in me that's like, oh my God, does this mean we're going to get Last Jedi, the non-Ryan Johnson cut? No, it doesn't. I don't think, I. I, well, I think if another studio kowtows to this- Kowtows. The pronunciation is kowtow. Kowtows. (laughs) They're not like- Tying them yeah. up. This isn't camel, a rodeo, if they, Chris. If they camel toe to the fans' will, I don't know how many other movies that could happen with, unless all of a sudden directors are just going to start coming out of the woodwork and being like, you know, David Ayer, who's like, Suicide Squad, the Ayer cut's coming out. But that's another DC movie. It's a DC problem. It's not an industry problem. It's clearly a DC problem. No, it is. Like uh, Rocky Four, we're getting a director's cut of that. But director's cuts have been around since forever. A director's cut is not new, though. 
That's the problem here. Like, I don't really understand the argument against... I get why people didn't want the Snyder Cut to happen, but the Snyder Cut happening the way that it did is the only way this movie could happen in the social media era. I mean, director's cuts for Blade Runner and shit in back in the day, those happened for different reasons, but you could ostensibly make the case that they are happening for a similar reason. Except in that case, the director had the ability to fix it hit on his own. In this case, the director didn't have the ability to fix it on his own. So he had to ask the studio and the studio forked over money and then ended up forking over more money. But director's cuts have been around forever. They're a, they're a recognized part of the industry. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I think is dangerous. I think this is dangerous because in the case of Blade Runner, Heaven's Gate, whatever, the director was like, hey, I want to go back and fix my work. This was whiny, bitchy fans demanding it, and then the studio kowtowing to them. But, but, but it's like, no, this sets the precedent. If the fans bitch about a movie enough, that the studio has to acquiesce to them. I think Snyder Cut is the exception that proves the rule. People, the bitching about Last Jedi was worse than this. The bitching about Last Jedi is worse than the Snyder Cut by heads and heads and shoulders, and it's more toxic. It's more vile. It is the worst of... The, the bitching about Last Jedi is the worst of a fan base because it's people that are complaining about you know, how people of color are being treated and how they don't want them in their movie, how actresses who are Asian, their characters are worthless, how they're attacking actresses and actors and shit. Like, the Snyder Cut was, like, as terrible as this is gonna sound, the Snyder Cut was actually supported by the actors who fucking made the movie. Like, that in and of itself proves to me that while I agree with both of you that the Snyder Cut's online fervor was being stoked by people who I more than likely don't want to be friends with because their personalities may be a little too rabid to get in the way of seeing common sense. I applaud them in a way. I'm of two minds when it comes to this thing's finally out. One, well, we finally got to see it and we know that while it was better than the Whedon version, it's still a piece of crap. But on the other side, it's, now these people will finally shut the fuck up. Oh, except they won't. Now they're going to be lording it all over you. Look at how much better it is. But they were always going to do that. Like, that's an inevitability of the situation. We Again, we talked about this just recently. I mean, I you know, I said this on the Culture Cast. But it doesn't matter if this movie is good or not. Zack Snyder won. He wins. He fucking won. He got his movie out. That he should have, for all intents and purposes, he admitted he didn't think this movie was ever going to come out. He has said, I can't believe I'm sitting here now talking about my version of the movie. And frankly, I can tell you both this with a straight face. If you had told me in 2019, either of you, that in 2021 we'd be sitting and actually reviewing the Snyder Cut, I would have told you both you're fucking high and not high in a good way, like literally out of your minds. Well, I would have said that the Snyder Cut doesn't exist, exactly. no matter how many times he said it. And then when I read about what they had to shoot, I mean, I was just perusing the interview with uh, Ray Fisher and Mangianello, and he's just like, this is Fisher. I had to go back and reshoot every single scene I was in. None of the stuff that you see in the theatrical cut with me, except for the Gotham City police rooftop scene with J.K. Simmons, is original. Everything else I had to reshoot. So maybe it was shot, but the thing that we saw today when the Snyder Cut came out is not 
this mythical thing no. that they were talking about. Like, I don't think that that exists. That's my issue with all of this. My issue is not with the movie coming out. It's exactly what you were talking about, Josh. It's these Snyder f- fanboys who are not going to... Ju- if you just admitted to me that you realize that what you're getting now is a film that Snyder is making, like you said, Josh, after the fact, with hindsight 2020 being, look at how bad all these other movies I've made have been received. Let's see if I can maybe tone my nonsense down for four hours. It's fucking wild to me because they, like you've said, Josh and Mike, they won't even admit that much. They won't say, yes, this movie isn't the Snyder cut I was vying to get released. I was sitting and championing the Snyder cut to come out while I am watching a Snyder Cut, this is not the movie I should have gotten. The movie I should have gotten, I will never get. But they got something, so there you go. The Snyder cultists are already asking for the mile. Now that this has come out, they're saying, we want this as the DCEU continuity, and we want all future movies to play off of this, not play off of the stuff that came after, of Aquaman and Shazam. And now, because they have it in their heads, their heads are blown up, if they're loud enough, AT&T, remember, this isn't necessarily Warner Brothers. It's AT&T that overruled them on the Snyder Cut. AT&T might say, hey, if they're willing to pay for it, you give them what you want. And that is, to coin a dumb phrase, the slippery slope. You gave them an inch. Now they want a mile. If this movie's successful and makes money, you know what? The part of this that I don't think a lot of us like to really swallow is this is show business. They want to make money. This makes them money. They're going to keep doing it. That's sad and unfortunate and other things aren't going to get made because they're going to throw more money at Zack Snyder. But but unfortunately, if this does the numbers, I kind of think it's going to. And I think we all realize it's going to do because not only did the Snyder Cut come out, the Snyder Cut came out when we can't go see fucking movies. So everybody who has HBO Max is fucking watching it. They're going to look at it and go. Oh my God, this is the gold mine that we could just lower ourselves. Look for it. What's the Arkenstone here? Is Zack Snyder the Arkenstone for this franchise? Because if the Snyder Cut was being watched by everybody and it has his name on it, it's more successful than the Whedon version. HBO and Warner Brothers and AT&T are going to back a Mack truck up to his fucking house and say, come on back, Zack. Give us whatever the fuck you wanted because it's making us money. That's what you don't want because this emboldens the fans and the, let's just say AT&T or Warner Brothers to just kowtow. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to keep that <laughs> like I was joking. it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Chris, the word what? of this podcast is yes. out. 
For the rest of the day, whenever anyone says a secret word, scream real loud! It will bow and kneel to fan service. And they'll stop making movies that are movies, and they'll start making it for fans. Because I can guarantee you, the Snyder Cut possibly is an exception to this because of all the hype around it. But this movie was put together by AT&T for a relatively small group of people. Your average person who saw Justice League in 2017 is going to be curious. Oh, there's a new version of it. Okay. They're not going to be like, well, they screwed this up and Superman shouldn't have acted like that. And the lip was annoying. But guess what? A number is a number regardless of the reason that they watched it. I saw so many people, me included, and talking on Twitter that were just like, my wife or my girlfriend or me, we had no idea that there was any controversy around the Justice League movie. And what is this new thing? What is a Snyder Cut? They have no idea. And I'm just like, that's kind of the world I want to live in. I wish I didn't know all of this stuff. I wish I didn't look at the preview for Army of the Dead or whatever the fuck his new movie is and go, oh, look in that vault. There's all these film cans. He's making a reference to the Snyder Cut. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to live in this world anymore. It also comes down to, there's just something to be said about, I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but people who just go to see, I mean, like we, we are the exception. We are cinephiles. We're, we're fans of, you know, the genres, these characters, probably 90% of people who go to see a Marvel movie or a DC movie don't give a shit about continuity or whether the costume is comics accurate or if the actor said the N-word on Twitter or anything. They just go to see a movie. And isn't it then insane to you that they do cow tie, cow toe? <laughs> to the fucking fans then? Isn't it insane to you then how much they do bow down to the fans as it were? Because they could literally do what Michael Bay wanted to do to a franchise that I love, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and turn Colonel Shredder into Colonial Schrader and bullshit this franchise up even more than Platinum Dunes already did. They already do what we're thinking they do to the fans anyways. They're already doing it. Holy shit, Mephisto might be in WandaVision! Motherfuckers who wrote the show didn't even know who the fuck Mephisto was before they went on the press junket! Holy fucking shit! That's mind-blowing! But who's driving the fan theories? I hate all of these YouTube and podcasters that are like, after an episode, well, let's analyze all the Easter eggs and what could this mean and could this for future Iron Man movies and shut the fuck up and just watch the movie or the show. Welcome to Screen Crush. I'm Ryan Airy. It's here. It's here. It's finally here. The Snyder Cut exists and it is long, but that just means that it's loaded with Easter eggs, references and little things that you might have missed. But you can't have it both ways because either we like that they don't kowtow to the fans <laughs> or we don't want them to what do we want? Do we want them to, but not admit that they do? Or do we not want them to because we're worried that they might do it too much? The problem is, is we can't have it both ways. And I don't think there's even a good balance here because you then get movies like say, oh, I don't know. Uh, what's a movie that has a lot of fan service? Just throw one out that jumps out at that top of either of your heads. 
Fan service movie 101. What's a fan service movie? Cool it, Hollywood. Nobody likes a tryhard. Welcome to Watch Mojo, and today we're counting down our picks for the top 10 worst fan service moments in franchise movies. It's the, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Shit like that. Like, who knows that? Random fans on the internet, but they put that in the movie. And, like, a random fan isn't going to know what that's from. But, like, they put it in the movie anyways. Like, I think we might be upset about something that it's too late to be upset about it. As soon as you start approaching people's fandoms from other media sources, it's too late. You have to cow-toe to them or camel-toe to them. You have to. I am saying that that bell can't be unrung, and you know it, and we all know it, and that's the problem. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The fans are the, are the worst part of fandom. I can't get behind that because I'm a fan myself and I know I'm not like that. That's the problem. While I agree that there are a vocal minority of people that drive the problem, those people who still go see those Marvel movies, they are still fans of Marvel. They're fans of Marvel movies. Just because they don't sit and fuck around on screen rant, looking up all the nonsense and bullshit, doesn't make them any less. I know for a fact that I have friends... Some of them are watching this right now that are fans of Marvel movies in as much as they watch them, they enjoy them. Maybe they go on Wikipedia and read about them, but they're not sitting and watching every single fucking thing. Like you mentioned, Josh, where it's like five possible things. What does the Darkhold mean in Agatha's fucking lair? Like, yeah, that's for a very specific group of people, but... People who watched WandaVision every week for, what, eight weeks? Those people are fans of Marvel. They are. Just because they don't sit and pour over every detail, like, what does the front of his notebook mean? By the way, this is the this is the sigil of the Yellow King from fucking True Detective. This means jack shit. But you know what? It's on my thing, so it must mean something. Not necessarily. But my point is, like, I agree with you, Josh, 100%, that fan bases poison the well, but... That's the vocal minority of the fan bases. 90% of those other people clearly love Marvel movies. You know how I know that? Because the Marvel movies are the most successful film film franchise of all time. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Those movies will be coming out past the day that I'm dead, to past the day that you're dead. They'll be making a Marvel movie until the asteroid is about to collide with this planet and kill all of us. Black Widow 31 will be in theaters and people will be lining up as the asteroid's careening at Earth. You have these people who... And I'm not saying they're necessarily the problem. They're a problem. They are way too into this stuff. When I saw uh, Avengers Infinity War, now there was some people behind me. I never, I never met these people before. Maybe late twenties, early thirties, and you know everyone dies at the snap and all that. And they were sitting there like, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how I can process what just happened. And I'm like, Are you fucking with me right now? This is a movie with, you know, to go to Ben Affleck and and uh, Kevin Smith, fictional character. No, 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 you got to do it. Fictional character. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, he was literally treating Spider-Man dying like he would if his grandmother died. They're invested in the characters, man. But the question I have for you is, are those people fans? Because those people are probably the 90 percenters that you were talking about. And I question, are they fans? Those are fanboys. And, and okay, fan non-gender specifics. I, I don't want to gender that. And, and they are the dangerous part. They've always been the dangerous part. And I'm already seeing that with the Snyder Cut. 
But of course, they were vocal before and they're going to be vocal but, after. But, but you lose objectivity at that point. I have seen the word masterpiece thrown around more in the last eight hours than I have in the last year. And I'm saying this and I'm not trying to be funny or insulting. If you think the Snyder Cut is a fucking masterpiece, then you have to stop being allowed to make decisions for yourself because you're clearly not living in reality. You need to stop being able to dress yourself because you clearly have no taste. That doesn't mean you can't have enjoyed the Snyder Cut. But if you think it's a masterpiece, you're wrong. I just think you're entitled to your terrible opinion. I mean, I'm not going to try to yuck somebody's yum about that, but... I mean, if you had never seen a movie before and you see the Snyder Cut, you might think that it's a masterpiece. But I am always fascinated by these different cuts of things. I've I've always been fascinated by it. Just to go back to Superman, to see the television version of Superman, to see the TV version of Superman 2, to just see those alternate takes. To King s- Kong 76, the TV version, way better than the real one. Think about the one movie that you turned me on to so hard that I am a hyper fan of it now and I give you credit for it is David Lynch's Dune. That movie has how many goddamn versions and I and you and I both can say in unison the version you watched in the theater is awful. It has so little redeeming value versus the versions you can watch online spice diver or just the even the tv version that i know lynch disavows is still better than his original vision for a lot of reasons but at the same time like you have the hyper fans of that too that sit and say like holy shit this is this is not the benny jesuit r the quizot's hot rock this or it's like oh my god even i'm not that hard into it but like like you said mike like this director cut thing is like it's wild Because even those two versions of Dune are drastically different. But you also see this being like the the term masterpiece is is losing its 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 meaning. I remember when Captain Marvel of all movies came out, the reviews were like the best thing Marvel has ever put out a masterpiece. And it's like, did you see the same fucking thoroughly mediocre movie I did? Yeah, I mean, were they just tricked by nonlinear storytelling? <laughs> because, yeah, it just it it wasn't very good. But if you go back and find reviews for when that came out, the word masterpiece was thrown around. Okay, do words mean different things to you than they do to me? Because clearly, I think they do. Yeah, I, I mean, that is a term that is abused way too much. To see the Snyder Cut and compare it against the Whedon Cut, it is just... I'll say it. I'll use the word that Clark Kent used. It's swell. It's it's really swell to see these different versions just so that we can see how different people approach things and to see some of the ideas that were probably there before. And I'm not going to say they were made up whole cloth, but they were probably some of these ideas were there before and you can see where they were. I will not say that the Snyder Cut is a masterpiece, but I will say that it was definitely a more interesting and tonally it felt more of a piece. And it felt a little more in line with Batman v Superman, which I was not a fan of. But yeah, and I can see where you're talking about the reactions. There are things that have lightened up over the last few years uh, because of some of the reactions to Batman v Superman. 
uh, Snyder will go to his grave talking about how the Martha thing was a, a stroke of genius. And that's the thing is that I, I feel like Snyder is so full of himself that he probably thinks everything he does is genius. And so he, he probably would say that this is a masterpiece and this is his vision and we'll never back down from that. I would hope so. They gave him $70 million to finish it and they released his four hour movie. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's the perspective here that I am, I'm looking at this a little differently. And I know, Mike, you just kind of touched on it. Like, look, the three of us can sit and call it the biggest piece of shit, this side of that turd in Jurassic Park that Jeff Goldblum looks at, or you can call it a masterpiece. But at the end of the day, Zack Snyder's version of his movie that none of us thought would ever come out, came out, you can watch it, you can watch it until the heat death of this planet, and oh, by the way, whether or not you... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thought this movie was turd or great. It is better than Whedon's version. Therefore, Zack Snyder wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong in saying his version was better. And you know what? I don't want to give Zack Snyder credit because I'm a, a person who does not buy into the hype of Zack Snyder, just like I don't buy into the hype of Michael Bay, but he was right. His version of the movie was better, but to be fair, that's like saying the bar is an inch off the ground. Can you jump over it? Yes, most people could. Better does not mean good, though. I mean, jump we, that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, 100 percent. Like, as I was watching this. The, maybe it's just because I've edited things before and I'm an, and I am an editor. There's no reason, zero, none, zilch, nada, that this needed to be four hours and two minutes long. None. Not only with all of the useless scenes that could have been trimmed out, but, and yes, I'm being jokey here. He has so much slow mo in this movie. If it, the whole movie was played at normal speed, it would have only been a three hour cut. You're not joking, though, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, everybody gives J.J. Abrams, like, oh, the fucking lens flare, J.J. It's a bit much. He's going to be on The Simpsons, and they're going to bring lens flare onto The Simpsons. That's how synonymous lens flare is with one director. And slow-mo is so synonymous with Zack Snyder. His his kind of love of using slow-mo and his influence by John W. Slow-mo is so obvious in, in Snyder Cut and in 300 and BVS and Watchmen that, like, his use of slow-mo at this point, like, why is anyone surprised? But th- th- that brings up that brings up the pacing problem. This thing, it's not a movie. 
It is so poorly. Characters just vanish for 35 minutes at a time. I mean, as I was watching this, I, I was watching it on my computer. And I, so I had the, the little bar going. I'm like, OK, you know, the Justice League's together. We got a half hour left. Oh, my God. There's still two hours of this. And then the movie ends. There's a 30 fucking minute epilogue. And there's just so much. Because it's supposed to be an epic this is supposed to be an epic movie in the vein of Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Like, this is supposed to be Zack Snyder's epic film of epic films. It really is. It can still be epic, but it can be well-paced. Where we sure, I agree. cut from Legolas Gimli and Aragorn to Sam and Frodo to Merry and Pippin, like, all of that is perfect. And the scenes will call to one another and they'll make little references and things. And it just, it fits together like a really interlocking puzzle. Say whatever you will about the Marvel movies. I will go to my grave defending or just, I'm not going to defend them. I just, I love a lot of them. I don't. Mike didn't want to talk about Infinity War before it came out. You were genuinely excited for Infinity War. I remember how pumped you were. Yes, hundred percent. I was so excited for it, and I loved it. I when when Thor fucking shows up during the battle, I'm just like I I didn't stand up, but I definitely cheered. And that was another movie where it's just like okay, we're bouncing around. We've got so many different things all happening. You've got the planet where you've got you know Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Spider Man. And some of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and you've got this going on over here, and you got this going on, and they all bring it together, and it makes sense, and it, it's you can really tell what things are happening concurrently, what things are happening one after another. You never miss out on like there were times where I was just like, "Huh, I wonder what Thor is up to," and then boom, it would be like almost like they could read my mind and it'd be on there and be like, "Okay, great, yeah, this is perfectly paced." But to your point, Josh, it's just like. Okay, well, all right, Diana, you said you were going to go talk to Cyborg and and he's going to go talk to the Flash. And where are these characters and why did you say you're going to do that and then it takes a half an hour. There's a there's a moment I think where he says Batman talks to to uh Aquaman. We see the helicopter land. There's the private jet there, and then so much stuff happens before we're back on the jet with him shaving his beard off. And I'm just like, holy shit, how much stuff just happened? Like, how long is this jet ride? Lois Lane, she appears near the beginning, and then she appears like 90 minutes later, and you're like, oh, that's right, Lois is in this movie, isn't she? Because this movie, similar to the Whedon film, is just another Frankenstein's monster of a movie. They're releasing a documentary about the making of this movie. Shocking, said no one, given that the making of is probably going to be nine hours because Zack Snyder's going to give you every fucking reason why every fucking scene in this entire movie was put where it was put and why it was the way it was. But look, again, the movie is ultimately a, a hodgepodge of origin stories, deleted scenes, extended scenes, takes that they didn't use the first time the fact that this movie even exists let alone i can still watch it from beginning to end and do i have like you guys have said like oh yeah characters are coming in and out like it still tells a story and i can't believe that to some respects i can't believe that there are so many moments in this where i'm just like did this really need to end up in the cut i don't understand 
probably because I'm a stupid person, but I don't understand why we need the Icelandic women to start singing after Aquaman goes back into the sea. And then he smells his sweater. I'm like, oh, does it smell like Gordon's fish sticks? What is that smell like of fresh Jason Momoa? Here's a question from the Whedon cut versus this cut. After Arthur slash Aquaman saves the one guy who's in the boat that's like tipped up on its side and he goes in and he's drinking booze and he's just like, yeah, the, this is on him or whatever. In the Whedon version, he looks down at his hand and there's like oil or gunk on his hand and it's never explained. Is that in the Snyder version? He just stands like a badass at the end of the pier and the water comes over him. You know what the problem with this movie is? Which is in the trailer, and I'm just like, okay, that was a cool shot from the trailer. I'm glad that it's back in this. The Snyder Cut really is Zack Snyder culling everything together that he shot and just trying to make it work. It feels like he just put everything he shot into this movie where he could just to, like we don't need to see the Themyscirin ritual of taking the arrow and doing all the like we don't need to see it but at the same time like you know you know what uh, who's the only director that I could see spending all the time and effort doing that it's Zack Snyder because of course because he's gonna do it he'll do it in slow motion he'll do all this nonsense and it's and you see it in 300 you see it in Watchmen he loves focusing on the minutia of shit and slowing it down and it's like I appreciate it sometimes but boy it is unnecessary most of the time and this movie is like the criminal offender of that. You have shit where it's just like characters running on a football field slowed way the fuck down and you're just like man some of this stuff is not needed. Did you notice on the football field Gotham was playing Wisconsin? Just a whole state? Uh, the entire it state? Was, it was Gotham City versus Wisconsin. I noticed that because Zack Snyder's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. So the Wisconsin thing, that I think it actually is probably an in-joke because he's from Wisconsin. But I thought that was funny how Gotham City has their own football team and actually just Wisconsin is has their own football team. I, I just thought that was sort of funny. The I noticed. entire state. I will defend the slow-mo in, in a couple instances, which is just the Flash. That's the biggest one. The Flash and occasionally... Uh, Wonder Woman, like in that, I call it a robbery scene, even though it's a terrorist scene. You know, I keep thinking that they're actually going to have a reason for doing what they're doing. But yeah, when she's watching the bullets going by her, I'm just like, okay, well, that's cool. And it also reflects that she is very much like Superman and that she can operate at a different level. And I did really like, and this is in both versions, I did really like when the Flash is trying to go around Superman and maybe trying to hit him. That is such a good scene. It doesn't deserve yeah, I, to be I, in this movie. Especially like when Superman's eyeball moves and he can see the Flash. I'm just like, oh. And the Flash's face is like, oh, fuck me. But like, again, like the slow-mo thing with Zack Snyder has become such a joke at this point that I almost was like, what would be the point of us beating the dead horse? Because everybody else beats the horse to death about the slow-mo, right? It's like complaining about J.J. Abrams' lens flare. Like, we know Zack Snyder's going to overdo it with the slow-mo. 
We we knew that. You could make that joke before. Like, the jokes you can make about this movie are not going to be anything you need to make with even if you haven't seen the movie. You could say, even if you haven't seen Snyder Cut, it's going to have a ton of slow-mo and it's super long. You don't even have to watch the movie to know four hours is too much. We all knew going into it, four hours was never going to be justified. That's that's a was a given before we started this podcast, before we even watched the movie. I messaged you guys as I was watching. We were all watching this at, at different points today. Of course they fucking go time travel. But it's like it's like baby's first steps of time travel. Is this a fucking modern Star Trek show? You have to I mean, I know in Batman vs. Superman the I'm too early nonsense, you know, was technically time travel. But him a whole you know, first okay. How goddamn long do the mother boxes take to sing? Oh my god. That yes. was like twelve minutes. Screen time. Yes. And how much time in real lifetime versus movie time is the oh, real question? Oh, Jesus. Right? There were so many questions about that. And yeah, just like, how long is this taking you? Deus Ex Motherbox, dude. Sorry. Yeah. And, and then, of course, we failed. Oh, but we can. Un- What's the point of having the heroes fail if you're going to undo it literally moments later? Would we have been assuming this is, you know, would have been in the theater, you know, in 2017? Would we have been in the theater going, oh, my God, Batman and Superman are dead. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? We might have given the nightmare stuff. I honestly believe and Snyder has said it himself. The nightmare stuff was going to be Justice League 2. And I feel like the whole them failing was was going to be part of that. And they decided to right turn out of it. And like that's fine, but you but they also want to like have their cake and eat it too because then they're like, but let's put the nightmare stuff in here anyways because it's fucking cool. I know that this is gonna probably piss both of you off. I kind of like Jared Leto as the Joker in this movie. Let's have our cake and eat it too because not only will we undo things by the Flash time traveling, and I guess is his power that he can. Heal himself. Well, he has a high quicker? metabolism. Okay, uh, which I kept thinking, like after he was running around that track and and saved everybody, that he was going to like collapse, and then he'd wake up and say, "Has anybody had shawarma? <laughs> well, had brunch?" Okay, the whole time traveling thing. So then, why can't he run fast enough to travel back in time and prevent his mom being killed and his dad? I, I mean, you know, once you went because he hasn't found the cosmic treadmill yet. Well, and he says that he made a rule, and he's going to break his rule. So I'm like, okay. But to your point about having your cake and eating it, too, we're going to undo all that stuff. But then we're still going to have the nightmare at the end and say, like, well, nightmare, nightmare in with quotes. And be like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> get nice. a dark night. And then, yeah, have all that shit in there, too. And I'm just like, when did... When did Batman become psychic? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is interesting. They were sort of setting up Flashpoint, which was a big thing in the comics. And supposedly, that's the Flash movie. Yeah, supposedly. Well, that's gone through every director in Hollywood. So yeah, I don't know I was like, made. How many more horror directors can they hire and fire off that project? But it's supposed to be Flash traveling back in time to warn Bruce, but he's seeing it as a nightmare. Flash is trying to show him the future he has to prevent, which I think is supposed to be like an injustice. Something happens. Oh, low its oh, oh, Zack Snyder's already said what it was. Do you want to hear how bonkers ass shit this is? Bruce Wayne falls in love with Lois Lane and can't sacrifice, can't bring himself to sacrifice himself to prevent the world from ending because he has to either die by Darkseid, or Darkseid kills Lois Lane, and in a moment of weakness, he couldn't sacrifice himself in her place. And that's what Joker's talking about. That's what the pregnancy test is hinting at. That's what the Lois is the key, is that Bruce Wayne, for some fucking reason, falls in love with Lois Lane and can't sacrifice himself at the moment. And so Justice League 2 is them trying to figure out a way to go back in time so that Bruce Wayne can sacrifice himself so that Lois Lane doesn't die and Bruce Wayne dies instead. And then, oh, by the way, Josh, and you're going to love this, uh, Lois Lane and Superman's kid is powerless and becomes Batman. Bump, 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 bump. That's what Zack Snyder said he was going to do, by the way. This is not me making shit up. Does anyone else notice how, like, in in the nightmare sequence, the only characters who survived are characters we know. Not some random Atlantean. Oh, no, it's Mera. You know, not some random mercenary. Oh, it's Deathstroke, who we just got introduced to. You know, it's it's like, wait, because they really made this sound like this is the last stand against Superman. So isn't it funny? You know, it, it, it's kind of like like in the Star Trek Mirror Universe episodes. Isn't it funny that all the same types of characters landed in the same spot? You don't have Captain Kirk on Deep Space Nine or anything like that? Well, you don't have Captain Spock and First Ensign Kirk. It's Captain Kirk and Spock. They're just bad guys. The, the only time Star Trek did that right was randomly having Tuvok on the Mirror Universe Deep Space Nine because he never would have got lost on Voyager. That was a nice little moment because he wasn't part of Deep Space Nine for non-trackies. It was uh, just a nice little thing. I talked about how awful the music cues were in the Whedonverse. (laughs) And I thought that they couldn't get any worse in the Snyder Cut, but boy, was I wrong. You tempted it, Mike. You tempted the universe, man. Oh, man. I thought that it was bad that the White Stripes were playing when Aquaman goes into the sea. Is it Leonard Cohen? Is it a Leonard Cohen knockoff? I was waiting for Tom Waits to start singing, who I love, Tom Waits. But, my God, the song when Aquaman goes into the sea in this one, probably, I think, at a different point? No, I think it might still be the same point. Everything's all kind of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly in this one. 
my God, was that an awful song. And just so many bad music cues in this. And then the use, uh, and I know it was Zack Snyder's daughter's alleged favorite song, and he puts Hallelujah in everything, but then to put fucking Hallelujah in there and... Yeah, but think about where Hallelujah was in Watchmen and then let that melt your brain pan for a second. I'll wait because Hallelujah was in the fucking sex scene in Watchmen. And if that was your daughter's favorite song, bro, was it ironic in that movie and sincere in this one? Because the messaging hasn't changed, really. Banded together from remote galaxies are 13 of the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Doom. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. Only one group dares to challenge this intergalactic threat, the Super Friends. Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is the Challenge of the Super Friends. Zack Snyder really believes that not just that he made a good movie or that he got his vision on the screen. I think he believes he made art like Master like Capital I A. Because I mean, like you, you hear him talk about how there's going to be a black and white version, and 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 he even has said, "Will it still be the four three aspect ratio in black and white?" The four theory. I'll come back to the aspect ratio in a moment. But he has also said he has a five and a half hour cut sitting on his home computer. He hopes someday release it brother man snyder cut release the snyder snyder cut release the snyder home drive cut this is four hours and two minutes of us watching this man suck his own dick come in his own mouth (laughs) swallow and tell himself okay this is almost a delusional level of i didn't make a movie i made the movie the movie all movies will be compared to when that, that that little introduction that that is on hbo max it's only like a minute long or whatever he comes across so arrogant in that i wanted to punch my computer screen am i the only one that picked up on just how arrogant and pretentious he seems now no, you're not the only person that picked up on that. And, I mean, Chris, you were reading to us some stuff the other night when we were recording um, uh, one of the Culture Cast episodes that was just, yeah, amazing to... Excuse me while I whip this out. This is a actual question posed to Zack Snyder, and this is his actual response. Since Justice League, there have been other DC movies like Aquaman and Shazam that have gotten more enthusiastic reviews and made more money. Does that sting for you that your films didn't achieve that? That's the question. Here's the answer per one Zack Snyder writ read verbatim. I couldn't be happier. It doesn't sting for me at all. Those movies are cool and they're really well made and excellent. 
But BVS, love it or hate it, it's probably the most mentioned movie in hashtags and references. It's the closest thing to a cult film that could exist at this level of pop culture. Am I a provocateur? A little bit. Is it my job to make pop culture pieces of candy that you eat and forget about the next day? Nah, I'd rather fuck you up in a movie than make it nice and pretty for everybody. Let's be frank. There's no cult of Aquaman. Jason is a force of nature, and by all means, I want there to be 100 Aquaman movies but he, because he's an awesome guy. But it's not controversial, and I have purposefully, because I love it, made the movies I make different. Do you guys remember... Maybe two, three years ago, there was like a, a panel discussion with uh, William Friedkin and Nicholas Winding Refn. It, it was great to see live where Nicholas Winding Refn, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, was saying that I, I think it was only God forgives he was talking about at the time, or it might have been Neon Demon, is one of the greatest movies of all time, and it's up there with Citizen Kane. William Friedkin thought he was joking, and and you can see the the blood drain out of Friedkin's face when he realizes Winding Refn's not joking. I'm like you. I have no regrets about Only God Forgives. I think it's a masterpiece, and it is. I just didn't make it very expensive. Is there a doctor in the house? We we need to get a medic in here. I just didn't make you, it. If you I, think I that's a masterpiece, what is Citizen Kane? It's great, but it's very. it was an inexpensive movie, so financially... Who gives a shit? How do you get to that point of delusion? How? Snyder cultists. Is Zack Snyder a terrible filmmaker? No, he's not. Just like Michael Bay. These are guys who know how to shoot a scene. They know how to move a camera. They know great lighting. They just don't know how to tell a good story. I don't think Zack Snyder is a bad filmmaker. I think he's an awful storyteller. And those are two very different things. But he seems to believe... He is the next fucking Orson Welles, when in reality, he's probably closer to the next David Dakota, just on a bigger budget. I mean, I think the issue with it is if you're in the industry that you're in and you're at the level that they're at, I'm not sure I could blame them for believing that because that's probably what they hear all the time. I forget what director it was, but uh, Richard was talking about it on the last CultureCast, Mike, where it's like, oh, that was actually Cullen, Cullen Gallagher of pulp-serenade.com. He was actually talking about how they he can't get a, he couldn't get an honest answer from anyone anymore after he made the seventh seal because everybody thought he was a genius. I guarantee you Zack Snyder doesn't care what the people online say that don't like him because he has enough people that will say his movies are good to just drone it all out. And frankly, if I were in his position, if any of us were in his in his position, would we do any different for, in some respects? Like, we got to this point, what the fuck do I care what other people say? The studio is still going to pay me. I'm still going to work. I still get to work with Batista and Netflix and Hulu and Warner Brothers. Like, I probably wouldn't care either. I, I, well, I, I agree with you, Josh. It looks very conceited. It looks very stuck up. You look like you've lost self-awareness and the optics of it are really bad. There's a lot going into this that we can't comprehend just based on the fact that we don't have people telling us every day dude bbs was the best movie i've ever seen like if you heard that every day your head would be as big as a fucking balloon too and you would float to the top of every room and they'd have to pull you down yes they go through that phase and then they kind of go i want to know if i really am a good filmmaker now i'm just throwing out a wild example here everybody hates uve bowl 
I think he's made a few good movies. I love. He's funny. Oh, he wants to box his critics in the ring. And that's I, I, fucking hilarious. I genuinely think Assault on Wall Street is a fantastic movie. I genuinely loved that film. But let's say for the sake of argument, okay, you know, Uwe's name, whether we like him or not, is Poison. I would love to have Uwe Boll secretly direct a film under a pseudonym, have it come out, everybody gives it accolades, and then, ha it was Uwe all along! Can you imagine what that would do for your ego in a good way to go, maybe I am actually talented and it's not just my name? Like, on the opposite way, like, look at Max Landis. The man is utterly talentless. Do we want to look at Max Landis? Are you forcing us? Are you holding our eyelids open like in Clockwork Orange? Look at him! Gaze upon Max Landis! You will fall. But, like, look at Max Landis in the in the way of... He's utterly talentless, but you to hear him talk, he's one of the biggest genius writers out there, and just studios just can't comprehend his genius. That's a man who's gotten by on his last name rather than his talent. And Zack Snyder, I think, is moving into that area of no matter what he does next. Like, Army of the Dead, I haven't even seen a trailer for, so I don't even know what it's about. I know it's a zombie movie. Maybe it'll look like a Zack Snyder movie. Maybe it won't. I would love to see, because I think this is the ultimate tell for a big-budget filmmaker to find out if they actually have talent. Because I think this would make a great reality show pre-pandemic you know, and everything. You take an A-list filmmaker, James Cameron, Zack Snyder, Michael Bay, you give them 500000 bucks and say, the movie comes out next week, let's see what you got. A real filmmaker would be able to make a releasable film on that. I don't think Zack Snyder could. I think he's grown so big, not just full of himself. I don't think he could make a Roger Corman style movie. He's just going to keep getting. Do you think any of those directors would, though? Do you think if if posited with that, you think James fucking Cameron, Mr. Likes to suck his own dick on camera more than anybody else, who's just as bad as they're like James Cameron isn't some fucking saint. Holy shit. He's just as bad. Sure, but I don't think James Cameron could make a $500,000 movie anymore. I Well, he might remember what it was like when he was making Terminator. And Zack Snyder might remember what it was like when he was making his version of Dawn of the Dead, which I... Uh, James, James Gunn's version of Dawn of the Dead. But, but, but that was still a pretty huge budget film. I mean, like, I, I remember when Pain and Gain came out. Michael Bay said he was... Returning to his low-budget roots for a $28 million <laughs> film. Him, that was his low-budget roots. I don't know if Zack Snyder could make a film for a million bucks anymore. You get to a certain point where it's just all waste. And when I looked at Justice League Snyder Cut, what is... Do, I don't have my computer up right now because of my computer problems. What is the total budget for Snyder Cut that's at least been released? The above-the-line... Million, right? No, 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 no the no, whole thing. Oh, you know, I'm asking the total, total budget for what Snyder cut would have cost. Did you hear how Warner, much Warner Brothers gave him to begin with to finish it, and then how much it, it they? Do you know how much they initially gave him to finish the Snyder cut? Thirty million dollars, and that yeah, wasn't enough. Which plays yeah. into my point. I donated sure, yeah. my salary because I yeah, I nice. believe in this project so much. I'm just going to estimate while Mike's looking it up, probably 200 million, maybe a little bit more than that for this four hour movie. 
it doesn't look like it needed to be that much. Maybe I am just getting jaded. Maybe we're getting off topic. I don't know. I don't think movies need to cost as much as they do anymore. I'm not happy. I don't like this chair and I don't like this desk and I don't like being here. Like when I see just some random direct-to-video movie or, okay, I'm going to go totally off topic for a moment, but it's still related. The Resonator, Miskatonic U for Full Moon. I was knocked on my ass when I found out that cost $100,000. That movie looks like a $5,000 film. I was knocked on my ass that that cost a hundred grand. And Zack Snyder, I think AT&T gave him an unlimited blank check and just said, keep going. I mean, the fact that he has a fucking five and a half hour work print or version on his computer says this man does not know when to stop. And what we just watched, what we experienced today, I think proves that the man, it's almost like, how do you feel about George Lucas though? Because doesn't George Lucas not know when to stop either? I mean, isn't he like case A, case 1A, case 1B, people against George Lucas, man? Like, isn't George Lucas the guy who patented he doesn't know when to quit? Wasn't that the George Lucas thing for like ever now is he doesn't know when to quit? But but there's also an aspect of ego that comes involved with like the Snyder. Like we were talking about all the stuff that could have been cut. Now, I haven't heard Snyder say this, but... Years ago, Tarantino was talking to Video Watchdog when Grindhouse came out. And remember how in the Robert Rodriguez segment, there's the whole missing reel and it's a fun thing. But Tarantino put the missing reel back in. Rodriguez never shot it. Because he knows how those movies are supposed to work and Tarantino had no fucking clue. But when Tarantino was asked why on the DVD the missing reel was put back in, and I'm quoting, the footage was just too good to not be seen. And that's what I feel the Snyder Cut is. I feel he couldn't cut any of this because he was probably going, I shot this scene so beautifully. It has to be in the movie. One of the the folks watching on YouTube, uh, Dustin uh, Rutledge. (laughs) That's one of my friends. (laughs) What are they asking? What sort of sordid questions are they Uh, asking? It wasn't wasn't a question. It was a, a fantastic observation that we need to know how picky Alfred is about making his tea. I mean, that scene... What the fuck is that doing there? This whole idea of everything being precious, it's like, what's that scene doing there? What's the Icelandic women singing thing going on? There's so many like little moments where I'm just like, forgetting the slow motion, just all of the little things where you're just like, did this really need to be here? Did, do we really need to have this in the film? We could easily lose at least a half an hour. At least a half an hour without two different versions of that kind of thing. Snyder, like Tarantino is just so in love with their own footage. They can't cut it. How long, how long has it been since either of you guys have seen the original Friday, the 13th from 1980? I've never seen it. Seriously. Seriously. (laughs) Okay. Josh, I don't know if you know this, but Mike doesn't gravitate towards that kind of movie. Sometimes you should hear Mike talk about tales from the crypt. It'll make your skin crawl. Especially good episodes of the show. I've tortured him on my show. He's threatened me a few times when I've made him watch some movies. He really regretted watching. But, okay, Chris, have you seen the original Friday the 13th? Yeah, once. Okay, I rewatched the whole franchise with my girlfriend about two years ago. She'd never seen any of them, so we watched them all. And the first film 
has got so many of those exact kind of scenes. Like, does this need to be here? Why is this here? We're watching her make coffee. The entirety of her heating the water, putting the stuff in. In Snyder's case, I think it's, this is just too good. It's genius. In Friday the 13th's case, it's, if you cut all that stuff, you have a 45-minute movie. The reason I brought up Friday the 13th was you needed all that to get to a 90-minute runtime. Snyder needed to lose all that to get to a 90-minute runtime. It's sort of too, too, it's like a double-ended dildo. You're getting fucked on both sides. Sorry, I got a little rain okay. there. Sorry. We all like ass to ass. I was about to say, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I you didn't never... take this out for air. And then, yeah, you get weird things like the how much movie time does it take for these fucking mother boxes to sink? There was talk at one point about them breaking this into four one-hour chunks, and I don't think that necessarily would have worked. Given how it was six chapters, how would that have worked? It's six chapters plus the epilogue, and the epilogue, to your point from earlier, Josh, is what? At least a half an hour. So it was bizarre because I... I took a pee break at hour three, and I think it was right around the time that part six starts. And that's like the first time Superman says a word. It's interesting how the pacing is so different between the two because of the four hours versus the two hours and the whole idea of like when they come up with the idea of we have to like jumpstart Superman with the mother box. It's like they come to that very quickly in the two hour movie because they have to, because otherwise, what else are we going to do? But in the four-hour version, it takes so long for them. It takes two and a half hours. Yeah, to just come up with the idea, much less actually do it. And then, Josh, I know you remember pop-up video from VH1, and Chris, you might remember that as well. I would love a pop-up video of this as far as, like, this was shot at this point, and this was shot at this point, and this was shot at this point, because I'm just like, okay, was the idea, because when Barry is running – to give that little, like, God and Adam, like, spark of life to the mother box as it hits the water, there's actually a little bit of time travel in that as well. Things go backwards in that for him to, to touch that. And I'm just like, okay, was that always in here? Was that always part of the idea? Was Were they always going to turn back time a little bit towards the end? Because it was nice that they kind of have a little bit of foreshadowing in that and i was just like oh okay i don't think so. <laughs> foreshadowing is that yeah that's well true. i mean the Mark. fact that he has the name of the pregnancy test be force majeure means Zack snyder is about as subtle as a two by four smash directly across your forehead that's one of the things that you could say over and over about Zack snyder until you're blue in the face is the man does not understand nuance or subtlety he doesn't he just doesn't and like Holy shit, like he's made he's made his bones so far that he don't have to. Like he he could just be like, yeah, I don't give a shit. And you know what? My audience, they don't want to be they don't want to be Molly Coddle. They just want me to tell them like this is what this is. Like, oh god. He's about as subtle as Jordan Peele is when it comes to a movie about racism. Wow, you have no subtlety at all, do you? It's just sledgehammer to the fucking forehead. Yeah, of course. Text- his theme of fatherhood, and even though we got mother boxes galore in this, it is all about fathers. And this whole idea of Superman's got my two dads, and now we've got Victor Stone, and Silas is talking about how he's a father twice over. You know, he's both the father as far as 
the sperm donor and raising this kid, but then also he remade the kid because of the, the, the change engine and now made him into this thing. I thought the idea in the, maybe in the Whedon version, but I thought the idea was that this whole idea of like him changing and him not knowing like every day he wakes up, he's a little different. Whereas in the Snyder version, it seems like he's always full metal, uh, Victor Stone, you know, the full time he's always like super like that weird, like pointy metal that he's got all over himself. And in the, in the Whedon one, he's just like, I couldn't do that yesterday, but now I can do it today. And now I'm changing. It's like, he's afraid he's, he's basically, he's still, to your point from earlier, Josh, he's still a teenager and he's, and it's kind of this idea of like, I don't know what my body is going to do tomorrow. It's like he's almost going through like another puberty when it comes to the, his new cybertronic form. And I kind of liked that about the Whedon thing. Whereas this, he's just like, I'm a badass and I'm just going to walk around with a hoodie on my head and fuck the world. He's also super whiny about it. His dad for saving his life. You saved my life and you made me a monster. So you would have rather died? That he crushes the tape player. God, I love that it's a tape player, too. It crushes little micro cassette tape player when it comes to the father's confession, you know. But but then at the end, end when he, like, miraculously makes it come back, it's like... He's got time travel pa- powers, yeah, too. So, so you, you can just fuse plastic yeah. back together. That's, you know, that's not how that works, man. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. I know in a movie where aliens exist, I shouldn't be saying that, but there are certain things where that's not how that works. I found it much more appropriate in this one that it is Victor Stones, or Miles Dyson, I guess, his voiceover uh, going through the end. I think it's... I think it's Lois Lane giving us a voiceover at the very end of the Whedon version. So I thought it was a little bit smarter having Silas Stone be Miles the Dyson. narrator of that last part. Yeah, not they Miles Dyson. Joe they Morton. even have a moment where he's holding a thing like in uh, like in Terminator 2 and he flips the thing and hits the button, just like in Terminator 2. He doesn't have the moment where he's like, <gasps> but it's the, same, it's the same thing. It's definitely not stunt casting or anything. That actor in cybernetics, keep him away from that shit. I was very confused by the whole scene early on when him and his lab assistant are working together and it's like, hey, we took this piece of metal and we superheated the inside of it. It's hotter than whatever. This is the hottest thing on Earth. And I'm just like, okay, what the fuck is this? Like, of course, this has to pay off. And then this movie is so fucking long that when Joe Morton destroys himself, it's like, what were you doing, dude? What were you trying to do? And then when Cyborg figures out, like, oh, he was superheating the inside of this, so now we can track it on any thermal thing. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, that was like three hours ago that you did that. That also goes to some of the stupidity of, of this. Like, okay, they made it the hottest thing on Earth. You realize that would be igniting the air around it and igniting you know it's like in uh, blade trinity i just rewatched recently and she has that like like bow looking thing that she pulls out and they say it's half as hot as the sun and i'm saying well science says you activating that sets the whole city on fire do not talk about the temperature of the sun please you do not know Ugh, i mean this movie is was infuriating i literally had to keep watching the clock while watching the snyder cut because I kept thinking this thing's got to be almost over. Only progressed 15 minutes from the last time I looked, and I thought a freaking hour. 
this thing just dragged. Now, I actually think now it would require some more re-editing. I think it would have worked better as a four-hour miniseries, as as four as four one-hour episodes, which obviously, like I said, would have to be re-edited to put a cliffhanger at the right spot and things like that. I actually think this works better probably as four one-hour episodes. I will say that the chapter breaks don't make a lot of sense most of the time because it's basically like picking up at the exact next no. scene rather than any sort of reset, any sort of yeah. They, it's hey, like, they said change machine. That's the name of the chapter. It's it's very random. You might as well put the the clerks music for those the chapters on clerks. It's really kind of dumb the way that they, they they do that. It's it's like. If, if, yeah, it feels random. I mean, and it's not like however many minutes go by and yeah, there's no cliffhanger before the next thing. Cause it's just, this is here we go. Here we stick a chapter in here. The things aren't grouped together enough to deserve chapters. The thing I saw the other day, I think I was on Reddit where it was just like, I can't remember which meme it was using. It might have been the uh, the Drake no meme kind of thing. And it was like Josh Whedon's uh, Justice League, the Snyder cut Justice League, and him saying no to it. And then uh, fan edits of the Justice League and him doing the <laughs> – it was like, yes. Oh, dude, I there's guarantee gonna you there's going to be fan edits of this all over the place. Some for the better, some probably trying to get that damn runtime down, and others probably will. Let's put all the cyborg scenes together and all this. This is going to be edited like nuts. But should, should we talk about what happened last night uh, with Zack Snyder losing his shit on a live stream? Oh, I didn't even hear about this. Do you know what the fandom menace is? Was that the one of the first fan edits? No, 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 no. It's uh, Chris. Do you know about this? Where it's like Doomcock, Midnight's Edge, Nerdrotic. These these YouTube channels that all link together, and they call themselves the Fandom Menace. Mm-mm. And and they're always calling out Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy and Doctor Who, and you know the, 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 they're a bunch of morons actually. But that's not the point. Are they billing themselves as like the Fandom Cognoscenti? They basically hold themselves up as we are holding Hollywood to task. We will not set for your SJW stunt casting and all this. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> a, a valid point, but not often. Okay. They were doing a live stream for the right reason for a suicide prevention thing. They were doing a live stream where they were going to be talking about the Snyder cut coming out and, and all the proceeds would go to suicide prevention. And they somehow got the real Zack Snyder to come on because obviously his daughter committed suicide. And no matter what I think of the guy as a filmmaker, that is fucking insane that he had to go through that. And that was the onus for why this movie exists. Well, one of two, yes. Yeah, but it, it is, it is. we can't take that away from it, unfortunately. That is a very, like you said, Josh, it's a very serious thing. Yeah, but I just want to be clear, I'm not making fun of suicide or that his daughter killed herself, okay? I'm not making fun of that or light of that at all i just want to be sure so, so he showed up on this live stream and i don't know if he was invited or if he just saw it and was like hey fuck it i got skype you know or zoom i'll hop on and we got to deviate a moment you heard about what happened to those eight asian women that got shot by the sex addict and stuff like that he started linking people like the fandom menace to people who shoot other people oh boy this- 
not gone over well today with the Snyder Cut coming out. In light of recent events, I think we really, you know, if Justice League teaches us anything, it's about coming together, and we, there's no room for hate. And uh, I just think that it's important. It's an important message. And, of course, you know, as um, the father of uh, Asian children, it, it really hits close to home for me. And I just, you know, I just really want to put that out there that we all, you know, there's no room for hate. And, and that's just what it's about. He basically was like, you rabid fans, you haters, you're the reason people go crazy. I'm not quoting anything, but if you think I'm making this up, just Google Zack Snyder fandom menace. I don't know if the if maybe the suicide thing set him off, but he was making some outrageously stupid fucking comments last night. And that's why I said, I don't know if we should talk about this or not. Well, what was he saying? Uh, like I said, I don't have it up because I don't have my computer. You know, it fucking crashed on me earlier. So I don't have my computer in front of me at the moment. But he was blaming fans and and you know all of your we want white males in all the roles and you know he's mischaracterizing a lot of things they're riding the wave of the phantom menace as the name that they've given themselves the perspective has been lost oh oh yeah like i said most of the people in the phantom menace every now and then i'll say okay that was actually a pretty broken clock is rice twice a day right yeah but but a lot of times i go oh jesus christ this again i mean like midnight's edge does a video every fucking week about how kathleen kennedy has destroyed star wars and i don't even click on him anymore i just see it in the title and go oh good they're bitching about kathleen kennedy again Hey, hey look i don't like modern star wars either but just you know whatever but yeah Zack Snyder said some things that are not going to age well, and he did it on a live stream to raise money for suicide prevention. And that seems to be whether he has these thoughts normally or not, the absolute wrong place the fucking day before this comes out. I guarantee you Warner Brothers looked at him and went, what the fuck was that last night? Well, it kind of strikes me as similar to what happened with Ryan Johnson in the fallout of Last Jedi, or even before Last Jedi, where he was like, fuck fans don't know shit. Why would you say that? Like, even if even if you think that, like, it's okay to think that. I'm not going to get upset at you for thinking that. It, you're entitled to that belief, but you don't say that on Twitter, where the fans are. Especially when the fans don't already like you, at least when there's a when there's a vocal group of fans who already have formed an opinion about you that they don't like you. When it comes to Zack Snyder, it's uh, you know like uh, Ethan Van Skyver was was talking about it. I can't find any quotes from it, but there are copies of the live stream. I'm just talking. I can't find any quotes, you know, as in text. Maybe. I'm being too picky on someone like Kevin Smith. He held the virtual uh, premiere of of the Snyder Cut last night, you know, and, you know, Gal Gadot was there on Zoom and all this. And and he was all talking about how amazing it was. And, you know, he says that about all of the DC movies. I haven't seen his review of the Snyder Cut. This will be kind of funny if he doesn't. When he talked about like Suicide Squad and Shazam and all that, his reviews are twice as long as the movie. He'll put out a six-hour review for a two-hour movie. I wonder if his review of the Snyder Cut's actually going to be shorter than the fucking Snyder Cut. No, it'll be twice as long because there's nobody in the industry who loves hearing themselves talk more than Kevin Smith. I mean, I love the guy to death, but, like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, that man loves to hear the wind come out of his own mouth. He's lost a lot with me 
He's not subjective just, about yeah. anything anymore regarding stuff he could possibly work on. You can't say bad things about DC and then expect that they're going to ask you to come work on Arrow or Flash or the comics, dude. That's not how the industry works. It'll never be how the industry works. You, you say good things, they keep you in their good graces. You say bad things, you don't work for them Anytime anymore. I go up for a job, you know, whether it's writing for something or, or anything like that, all they got to do is look at my Twitter and say, we're not hiring this guy. We're never going to hire this guy. He's badmouthed every single person in our industry. Snyder, for whatever reason, forgets that he already talked about Manhunter being in the movie. So Wendy says, there's going to be a surprise at the end. And people, are, you know, somebody shows up. And so I guess maybe it was the Joker showing up or maybe it's Deathstroke. But but it sounded like it was the Martian Manhunter thing. And so, yeah, he showed he shows up at the end, but he also shows up midway through the movie or in chapter four, let's say. That made no fucking sense. And then after he pretended to be Martha, he leaves the apartment, turns into Martian Manhunter, turns into Harry Lennox, who we've seen in these other movies, and I don't think it makes much sense that Harry Lennox has been Martian Manhunter this whole time. That was confusing as hell. Why was he doing that with Lois Lane? Because he would have been Martian Manhunter and in Man of Steel. BBS. The entire rest of the movie, and I... I know this makes me sound like a dumb person, but the entire rest of the movie, I'm just like, well, is that character really that character or is that Martian Manhunter? Like, I just kept questioning every time there was a character on screen. I'm just like, oh, is that really who that is? It's like you do that in the middle, literally the middle of the movie. You introduce a character that can shapeshift. And I'm just like, well, is that really the character or is that now John Johns? Is that who is this? And now we see why they have taken the scrolls and put them in their own fucking box in Marvel far away. Because wasn't that the whole thing for the longest time with the Marvel movies was like, oh my God, in, Infi in Infinity War, are they setting up that some of the Avengers were actually scroll the whole time? And it's like, no, you know why they didn't do that? Because you would fucking piss everybody off even the people who wanted you to do it well you notice that nick fury does eat his toast cut in a triangular way in infinity war so it might actually be a scroll not the real nick fury because he can't handle his toast cut that way i know a lot of people were fucking pissed off on spider-man homecoming when they found out that was not nick fury and maria hill and and to me it, it, it even undercut their characters because like there was that moment where he's just stand, you know, I'm going to say Nick Fury is standing there and, you know, uh, he's talking to Marie. He's like, you got me. I got you. And then he stops the bump. That's a badass Nick Fury moment. It really gets undercut when you find out that's a scrawl who wouldn't have been hurt even if she had missed. And on top of everything else, the way that those scenes are always written in those kind of movies is they don't even hint that that's the character, that's not the character throughout the entire film. And then at the end of the movie, you go, Oh, that wasn't supposed to be the character. Then why did they act the way the character acted the entire film up until the point that they didn't? That's not how that works. That's lazy. That's lazy. That is twist or gotcha moment based storytelling and it doesn't work you know why it doesn't work because like you said josh it cheapens it and it pisses people off you can do it but at least foreshadow it put a little bit of this or that in there to give it that 
oh, maybe something's up. He's acting kind of weird. He's doing things he wouldn't normally do. Not the fucking toast thing. Like something where the audience, even the 90% that you talked about, Josh, would go, huh, that's weird. But no, it's like, oh, we'll just have him act like Nick Fury until he's not. Like, that's so lazy. It's in insane. And, and, and that also undercuts other elements of the Marvel stuff. When Samuel L. Jackson actually appeared on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., was that Nick Fury or was that Scroll? When Nick Fury died in Winter Soldier, you know, even though it was a fake, was that a scroll or was that Nick Fury? You know, it undercuts everything. But like, even with the Snyder cut to the John Jones thing, what was, I get the point of the Batman scene where he's talking to Bruce Wayne. I get that. Okay. What was the point of it being John Jones that talked to Lois Lane? It honestly made, makes more sense if it was actually Martha Kent. It makes more sense that way. Well, and I kept waiting for the entire rest of the film. Whenever Martha and Lois were in the same scene, I was waiting for her to say, that was so nice of you to visit me in Gotham or Metropolis. And uh, maybe I'm getting too nerdy nitpicky here, but why does he change in the hallway where people could see him and he's got the big cape and everything? Shouldn't just he be able to shapeshift? Isn't that the point? The costume? So does that mean he's technically naked and the costume is part of his body that he shapeshifted into? That's uh, Mystique rules. Like, when she shapeshifts, she shapeshifts clothes onto herself, which is just bizarre. But, but, but you, you just kind of start asking that question, like, so you actually wanted the kid? So if, like, a kid steps on the cape when you're walking down the hall, is that him actually stepping on, like, your neck flap or something? Well, and the thing that I have not understood, and this is something you brought up, Mike, Snyder told everybody, Harry Lennox told everybody, I'm going to be in the movie, but he's in the movie and he does nothing. Yeah. And then he's used as he's used like Nick Fury is at the end of Avengers, like, oh, isn't that cool? But on top of the scene with Martha, you know, being a, a fake version of Martha, Martian Manhunter, that scene takes away from that end scene being cool. Like, that end scene could have been cool. Like, oh shit, Martian Manhunter. It's like, no, we've already seen him. He's just like this weird, shape-shifting Martha Kent alien man. It's like, what in the actual fuck? And you've seen him this whole time. He's been there the whole time. <laughs> exactly. But, but it, it, it also, think about it like this. It removes Lois Lane's agency in the story. It totally, it would have made more organic sense if maybe she saw a, a memorial on TV of, you know, remembering Superman. And that made her be like, you know what? No, I got to get back on the horse, go back to the Daily Planet and and deal with this. It removes her agency when she's only involved in the movie because another character's pushing her in that direction. Oh, and by the way, Josh, it's a character that, we haven't seen until this movie. I don't give a shit that he was in Man of Steel and BVS. That could have been the real person that the character is now imitating too. We don't even know that. I mean, again, that's where you're put in this situation with a character shape-shifting is when was this ever the real character or has it been Martian Manhunter the whole time? Not only does she lose agency, but you have Martian Manhunter hanging around throughout the rest of this movie, this lazy asshole doesn't even show up and help them? What is it? Like, what the... He's been here this whole time and he's just hanging out. Like, thanks, man. Like, thanks. Because you're definitely not powerful. You couldn't show up and help them. 
Yeah, it's like he gives Superman a run for his money when it comes to his powers. And yeah, he's just hanging around. Yeah, it should have been, we saw the battle from space or something. We we sensed the, that all this shit happened, and now I'm here for you. It was a really bad decision. Really bad decision. Because obviously Darkseid is a galactic threat, so much so that Martian Manhunter is on Earth to show up and say, hey, we know Martian Manhunter's coming. We're going to bring the universe to you guys, and hopefully we can work and keep him back. That's what Martian Manhunter is saying at the end of the movie, is essentially the Nick Fury's Avengers thing, but saying instead of let's build a team, it's the universe is coming to us. We're going to push Darkseid back. And like, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Where you're what? Like, you've been here. What the fucking what? Like, isn't it convenient that Darkseid has been looking across billions of worlds? Anti-life equation is here. And the mother boxes are here. Don't forget. I love how everyone in this speaks English. Aliens speak English and they use our measurements, you know, our measurements of time and digits. They use our math. I, I just love that. It would have been interesting if, like, Steppenwolf, obviously speaking English to the audience, but if the characters couldn't understand him, that would have been interesting, that he's not fucking speaking English. And isn't it funny that it's English? What if one of the mother boxes landed in France? Would he be speaking ooh-la-la? The only time we ever get any other sort of language is that very protracted scene of Diana going in and finding they shoot the arrow and she gets the arrow. She's holding on to the arrow. She's like taking forever with the arrow, just kind of standing around. And then she like just drops into this cave. And I'm like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> Was the cave in the, the temple, I guess, puts the arrow in, goes in and sees all of these things. And I don't know. It was just all Greek to me. But I also like the fact that they show their security guards. This is a crime scene. She just wanders right. I, I mean, hell, when when Clark, he's got the no shoes and he's just got the shirt and stuff from uh, uh, Smallville. Okay, there was just an incident with an alien coming down from a boom tube, attacking this lab that has biological agents all through in it. Somehow he just wanders in this barefoot guy who maybe did. And also, they specifically say that the uh, the unnamed, not Chernobyl town, you know, it's so contaminated, even the army won't go there. Then why are all the neon signs lit up and there are lights on in the windows? Is someone still paying the electric bill for this place? Oh, I, I said I'd come back to the 4-3 thing. That's right. But So I don't forget that. You can tell that this that they had to do extra editing to make it 4-3. Cause there were a couple of shots where the camera starts panning and then they run out and then there's an edit to what would be the other side of that shot. And then it can, I noticed that more than once where I'm like, why did you make this 4-3 when it was clearly shot? I don't know if it was 16-9 or 285, you know, but it was clearly shot some form of widescreen. The 4-3 seriously undercuts any cinematography that he had because the camera movements are clearly based on a widescreen screen. I don't understand the four, three aspect ratio. It didn't make any sense to me. You're supposed to go to IMAX, right? That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. That's like the only reason which like great for IMAX, but not good for home viewing. I mean, I look, I had the ability to watch it downstairs in my home theater, which is a projector and a screen and it made it better But if you're watching it on your phone, 
or you're watching it on your 60, 40, 50 inch TV, it's not great. I know that we're in keeping with his creative integrity and his vision, and I appreciate that. And great, you know, Chris Nolan says the same shit, and then someone puts Tenant on a Game Boy Advance cartridge just to spite you. I mean, I get it. Like, I appreciate the whole, it's my creative vision, but like, it's like that Game of Thrones episode where it was too dark and their response was, well, your TVs don't go bright enough. It's like, no, you shot it dark and you're fucking making excuses. What, are you saying Aliens vs. Predator Requiem wasn't supposed to be an incomprehensible mess? It was shot like a stage play, okay? Well, no, for, for, for that one, you can actually tell. If you watch the trailer, it's lit properly. They actually shot that properly, and then Fox artificially darkened it to the point where you can't even tell what the hell is happening. At least the color grading is a lot better in this version. At least it isn't that orange nightmare that happens when um, they're fighting at the end when they go inside of the hex oh yeah at the end of the whedon one where it's a red filter it is a fucking nightmare i waited three and a half hours just to see if this line was in there and i was amazed that it's there but it's an alternate take of the my man (laughs) it's like a much more sedate my man in this one but the booyah it was not and i was so that line was so dumb in the theater man i I mean i get it the character in the cartoon says booyah i'm so glad that that was not i was actually waiting just like you i was hoping the man would not be there because you don't know how much i hate bro aquaman aqua bro is just yeah he's something else man and when he fucking rides that body down and then it like slides across him like you're not fucking Legolas man (laughs) don't stand where he stood maybe Jason Mimosa has been in something I haven't seen the man has no range at all the man is I mean he's not Channing Tatum level of a giant block of wood on screen but Jason oh come on Channing Tatum's not that bad why don't you go Jai Courtney Joel Kinnaman Clint Eastwood's son, Sam Sam Worthington. Those dudes are so interchangeable. If you showed a picture of a different one to three different people, they would all tell you that was the same person, and they probably weren't. Jai Courtney surprised the fuck out of me in Suicide Squad when he was one of the best actors in that. I genuinely couldn't believe Jai Courtney gave such an energetic performance in Suicide Squad. Yeah, because they were like, just go be Australian on screen, my dude. But that's not how I'm used to seeing Jai Courtney. Because no one outside of him knows he's fucking Australian. Same people don't know Sam Worthington's Australian either. (laughs) Did you see that fucking movie where he turned into a Martian? (laughs) No, because it looked terrible. Or no, no, no. I I think he went to Venus. He he turned into a Venusian. I mean, in Avatar, I thought he was the Avatar because he was just somebody being pilot. I did see that movie. It's, it was so bad that I blocked it out until you just brought it up. <laughs> My girlfriend likes it. I found the DVD or the Blu-ray at her place, and I asked her why, and she goes, you made me watch Mandy. You don't get to judge. Well, she's not, she's, not, she's not wrong. She's not wrong about Mandy. I loved Mandy. Mandy was my best film of 2019. Sizzle over. That sizzle, man. That sizzle smells good when you're real close to it, but that steak tastes like, well, even horse meat tastes better than that. I know this take doesn't exist. I love Ben Affleck as Batman, and I really like Henry Cavill as Superman. It's just I feel like they need 
the movies to be in. Like, these aren't the movies for them. The stuff with Batman in this film, you know, I, I said I was going to avoid talking about the Snyder Cut when we're talking about the Whedon Cut. In this version, when they keep him away from being in the cape and cowl for the longest time, and then he shows up when Commissioner Gordon turns on the bat signal, I was in for it. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's right. He looks really good as this Batman, and I really like him. But man, I just, I don't like these movies as much as I should. And I just feel like they deserve better films than what they're actually in. I didn't like him as Batman. I thought he was great as Bruce Wayne. I just didn't, I didn't buy him as Batman, but I really did as Bruce Wayne. Whereas I'm the exact opposite on Henry Cavill. I I bought him 100% as Superman, but not as Clark Kent. Oh yeah, exactly. No, I I said the exact same thing about him and Clark Kent, and I totally agree. I just think that... That's because there's not two characters with Superman. It feels like those movies are filled with so much other shit. It's like they just don't even have room to breathe. Like, Batman versus Superman, rewatching that the other night, I was like, wow, this isn't as bad as I remembered it being. Yes, the Martha stuff is still just such a kick right in the taint, but... The idea of him and Alfred working together, I was like, wow, I just want a movie of this. Just give me a movie of of Batman, please. Just give me – take away the versus Superman stuff. Take away the god-awful Lex Luthor. Let's focus on but that. But you got Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Joker. Oh, God. Doesn't that was so bad. I, okay. At one point, I know in Batman versus Superman, Joker was also a villain in it. I am convinced, even though I have no evidence besides what's on the screen, that they just took all the Joker part and the Lex Luthor part and put them together, because you cannot convince me he's not playing Lex Joker. I mean, it's basically, what was that, um, the second Howling movie? Oh, you, you know, Your Sister's, sister's a Vampire yeah, I, or I'm Your Sister's a Werewolf? I'm convinced that was a vampire script, and they did Microsoft Word Replace or whatever the 80s version of that would be, just changed it to Werewolf, because you got werewolves in Transylvania. They can only be killed with a stake to the heart. They're, you know, they, they are allergic to garlic. They, they can't come out during the day. It's like, this is a vampire movie, you fucking asshole. Stop trying to tell me this is a werewolf film. Yeah, and it felt very much like that. We're going to do a find and replace. We're going to find all of those instances of whatever we want to call the Joker in his human form, and we're just going to replace that with Lex Luthor. I mean, the father beating him up, all that kind of bad childhood boohoo kind of shit. It's just like, this sounds very Joker-esque to me. I didn't need Joker showing up at the end of this movie. I didn't need this epilogue. I didn't need... All of this extra stuff. Just today, we're not going to get into it, but Richard Stanley is being canceled for physical abuse, and we know what happened with Army Hammer and some of these other people. How the fuck is Amber Heard still get roles when she's the goddamn abuser? I don't get it. I don't get it. And she's so bad. Even if she's not the sole abuser, they were abusive together, and there's a disparity in the reaction. I'm not going to give Depp a pass either because I don't think he's any more able to control his worst faculties any more than she is. But the response to him 
is disparate to what it is for her. Because she's going to be an Aquaman too. Johnny Depp is no longer going to be in the Harry Potter franchise anymore. Albeit, I'm not going to complain about who replaced him. Mads Mikkelsen is fucking amazing. Give me more Mads Mikkelsen until the end of time. But it is a disparity in the punishment because Amber Heard should not be working any more than Johnny Depp should. Period. End of story. I've always liked her in one role I've seen her in, and that was Drive Angry. I thought she was quite good in Drive Angry. She didn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting because that was Nicolas Cage doing all that. But she was not bad in that. I've not seen her in anything else where I thought she gave a good performance. She's in the final John Carpenter film. She essentially, everybody always makes the joke about her ending John Carpenter's film career. That movie doesn't even count as a John Carpenter film. I don't even remember her in Drive Angry. I mostly remember Fickner in that movie because it was a Fickner Cage film for me. Fickner almost stole that fucking movie from Cage, man. Fickner was fucking great in that. That is one of his key roles for me. I love him in that. But Amber Heard is not good. No, nor are her wigs. Oh my god. Neither is Willem Dafoe's wig. Come on now. Willem Dafoe looking like he came off of the elf central casting in Lord of the Rings. My lord, man. He looked like he was trying to cosplay as Chucky before he got put in the doll. As Brad Dourif, as the serial killer. I think that wig was still fitted for uh, the chick who played Tariel in The Hobbit. I'm like 90% sure. It was terrible. And like, he looked so different in Aquaman. He has like a short haircut in Aquaman, right? But Mike, about Fickner, you name me one thing Fickner's not good in. I'll wait. I can't do it. I can't do it. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. Superman. Batman and Robin. With their space monkey, Bleak. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. Not being a DC guy, I didn't know this Desaad character. And I was when in my notes he's written as in the Marquis, and I'm guessing they were they named him after that. He is Darkseid's uh, chief torturer and information getterer. I never knew that it was actually pronounced Darkseid. I thought it was Darkseid. So I always thought it was like Westseid kind of thing. So. At least you didn't say Darkseid. There are so many people online that call him Darkseid. And it's like, okay, first of all, you're an idiot if you think that that spells Darkseid. But also, just go watch Super Friends. He's called Darkseid on that. He's not called dark seed stop saying that and before everyone gets their panties in a bunch dark side existed before thanos so all the assholes that want to complain that's a source material thing that's not our fault that's not our problem that's a who copied who first yeah they copied them first in the comics and then they're copying them second in the movie that's fine i like dark i like that dark side was in this movie 
I know it's not going anywhere. I know this is being called a cinematic cul-de-sac is what they're calling it. But also the fact, Chris, he uses the Omega beams once on the Atlanteans in the flashback. He could have done that through the boom tube at the end and blown everybody up. They're fucking, they can do anything, basically. He knew that they were the only thing stopping him from coming to Earth. Why didn't he just go, just like kill him? I mean, it would have been one thing if, if you know, they hadn't used it earlier. And it was like, okay, maybe this version of Darkseid doesn't have Omega Beams. Fine. But the fact that he used it in Atlantis is like, but what, you can only use that once in a movie? He didn't roll 20 on that one. He rolled a six and he, he just had to let the portal close. You mentioned something, Josh, that I wanted to talk about. The scene where they, where Wonder Woman starts telling Batman about the initial fight where they push Darkseid side, whatever the fuck. You, now I'm saying it because you said it wrong. Jesus. When they pushed Darkseid off of Earth the first time. Why was Wonder Woman narrating the entire scene? She added nothing. It was like, show, don't tell. But then don't add your own commentary because I could pick up what's going on on my own. Rewatching Whedon and then watching the Snyder, like her going into that cave and seeing all that stuff. I was just like, okay, so she's basically telling Batman everything that she just saw in that cave as opposed to like, hey, I'm going to give an info dump to you right now out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay. At least it kind of makes sense. But I do agree with you. It's too much narration. Like we could have, she could have started the story and then it could have just gone on from there. We didn't need the narration for that. And I say all that because it's a cool scene. It looks cool. It's an interesting fight. You don't have to mess it up by having Wonder Woman narrating in the background, adding nothing. It's like the the joke that Father Malone always makes about Blade Runner, where it's like, you know, and then I looked and saw the red door. Yeah, we know you're looking at the fucking red door right now. We get it. Like, you don't have to tell us you're looking at the red door. I like the Green Lantern, the nameless Green Lantern. He looks better in the Snyder version, and his death is better. It's much cooler with his hand being cut off and then the ring returning to Oa then in the Snyder, uh, the Whedon version, he just like gets stabbed through the chest and then the ring flies off. But, but, but he was an idiot. The ring is a distance weapon. Why would you charge dark side with that? It, it's a distance weapon. You know, it, it, it's like that scene in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 where the kid is the wizard and he's kicking Freddy's fucking ass. But then he's got to run up to him so Freddy can get him. You stay out of arm's length of that shit. When you're when you're a ranged fighter, you don't run up to him. But it doesn't look cool if you don't do that. I know. I'm just saying it bothered me because the lantern was doing fine, flying around, smacking parademons around. Did the ring almost go to Darkseid? It looks like he could have like just plucked that out of the air. Like, is he able to be a Green Lantern? No, the, the the way the Green Lantern rings work is. When a, the Green Lantern dies, it will seek out somebody, c- kind of like Th- Thor with Mjolnir, somebody who's worthy. It looked like it was going to him because he was worthy, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get that. I, I thought it was just sort of like whirring around and then like, okay, I'll go back to Oa until... I thought the same thing you did, Mike. Okay, But I also you. didn't know if Snyder was just like, this looks cool, let's do it. Yeah, which is pretty much his whole raison d'etre, right? It's kind of like the shapeshifter question, like Zack Snyder is the shapeshifter question in film form. Are you doing this on purpose because you're trying to evoke something 
or do some sort of something you talked about recently, Mike, some film semiotics where this has a reason to be here? Or is it you're just doing this because it looks cool? And then assholes like us are going to ascribe meaning to it when it had no meaning after the fact. And then bigger assholes will ascribe lofty meanings to it. And then you'll go, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. And it's like, yeah, I guess. Or someone just did the legwork for you and you happened upon it and said, yeah, I agree. We can uh, just pop right over to YouTube and watch the screen rant reaction to uh, <laughs> to the Snyder Cut. Exactly. And that's like, oh, yeah, I know, like, I meant to do the force majeure. It's very deep. And like, yeah, he did the force majeure thing on purpose. But like, there's a lot of other stuff in Justice League and in Snyder's body of work where I'm like, is this intentional or are you just kind of a moron who fell into things or is a little bit of both? It's probably a combination of the both. I'm actually dreading all of the screen rants and all this all of these nerd culture sites, I'm sure Den of Geek and all of these other places that I avoid like the fucking plague, they're all going to start showing up on my Facebook timeline. People I'm Facebook friends with who are so stupid. Well, Screen Rant said... If you ever start a sentence with, and Screen Rant said, you've already lost your argument. That's like a relative of mine who always, well, I saw an Alex Jones show. Okay, shut up. You've already lost the argument when Alex Jones is your source, Okay. Well, and again, it's, I mean, Screen Rant is one of those places where when I think about it, I think it's like, well, nine things you didn't know about. And it's like, maybe one of them, maybe, but even that one might be kind of a stretch. The thing I always love about those is it all comes from the commentary track. It's like, okay, yeah, I listened to that same commentary. All of your things you didn't know are in the same order. It's like, hey, I knew this stuff. Even if I didn't know it before. I have the same Blu-ray you do. What I really like are the ones where you get like the more independent producers doing things like that. And then <laughs> you'll see them go, hey, Screen Rant just ripped off my video of 10 things you didn't know about the Invisible Man. And I can prove that I did that because I made this mistake and they made the exact same mistake or whatever. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Those channels never get taken down for that shit. There's a YouTuber named Minty Comic Arts. He steals from everybody. He's stolen from Cecil on Good Bad Flicks, who I know you've had on the show. You know, he's, he's one of my co-hosts. He's stolen from a lot of people that are like, well, I did this big in-depth 30-minute video on, you know, some movie. A week later, Minty does the same thing using the same footage and everything's in the same order. And he like double the subs and it's like fuck you chris when you have this up on the your channel tomorrow i'm hoping that you'll do like a really deceptive uh thumbnail for it where it'll be like a picture from justice league outlined in yellow with like a a circle here and a big arrow pointing to something that never actually comes up in our discussion it's gonna be a screenshot of josh flipping off the camera and it's just gonna have him going the the text is saying, why is this man so angry at Justice League? Click here and find out. 13,000 things you didn't notice. I, I'm a very angry guy when it comes to movies. and You don't say. You don't say. You don't say. Who was it? He didn't say. I'm just really angry about how bad most pop culture is. When you look at something like this, 
the reason that I watched Justice League is, you know, Snyder Cut is going to be different from the people who wanted to see it and were sitting on the internet and asking for it and championing it and going out of their way to buy banners flying through the air at Comic-Con and stinking up, like Mike said, Twitter feeds for four years about how they want the Snyder Cut to come out. The You know what the real question is now? This is the question, and this is the question that Heath Ledger poses in The Dark Knight. I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. Where do these assholes put their time and effort now that the Snyder Cuts come out? Are they just going to talk about the Snyder Cut until they're blue in the face? No, they're going to become red letter media, and they're going to wait for them to make a way too long video that's not even remotely funny about the Snyder Cut. Whoa. I like red letter media. I like red letter media too. God damn. I looked at Mike. Mike looked at me. We looked through each other's souls and realized that once that, I mean, I get it though. I I get it. You're not the first person I've heard. You're not the last person I've heard. And you probably have some very on point criticism but you're also 100% right that now the cottage industry is people breaking down the movies because before it was getting the movie made or released and now the cottage industry is breaking the movie down extolling the wisdom and wonder of Zack Snyder and opining Justice League 2 coming out because at this point Justice League 2 is going to come out it's too late it's happening too bad we're fucked Right. Or do they turn their attention now to the air cut of Suicide Squad and they're just like, this, this is the next hill to climb. I'm not changing the subject. I'm going to single out Red Letter Media, just but they're not the only people that do this. Okay, A lot of the people who are going to be overanalyzing the Snyder Cut are people who I think don't like film. Like whenever I watch a Red Letter Media review or something, these people don't enjoy film. They, they don't get enjoyment out of watching film. Now, people can say that about me because I hate so much, but that's because I love film. I want it to be better. When you have all these people that are going to be analyzing the Snyder Cut, these are people who don't actually like film. They just want to be right about their opinions on this film. That's where I think Red Letter Media is going to come in because those people are utterly joyless. When you see them talk about a movie... I actually think they they hate movies when I see them. And I think not only are they going to have to do a Snyder Cut, but you're going to see Screen Rant and you're going to see Watch Mojo and all this nonsense. These are people who don't like film. And I think that's going to be more of what you see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm an asshole. Well, I'm definitely an asshole, but maybe I'm just being an asshole in this case because I can see Mike Mike totally zoning out on I don't think you're wrong in respects to the people who are going to make these videos on YouTube because you're already seeing, and I've already read a bunch of stuff today. They are so out there in force. It, it cracks me up when it's just like, when did you even have time to make this? How did you watch the movie and make this? I saw some reviews coming out less than four hours after the Snyder Cut dropped. So I'm like, you had to have watched this at double speed or something. It's sort of the same way. I I was at a used uh, DVD store the other day, and they had like three used copies of a movie that just came out the day before. And you go, how? Why? Did, Did they buy it, watch it, and then immediately sell it? There were screeners that were sent out for this, for the Snyder Cut. I think... Either Saturday or Sunday. A lot of the YouTube hacks got him, yeah. 
So I got sent some sort of HBO show, like, hey, watch all of this HBO show. And I'm just like, okay, uh, where did this come from? And then I followed it up and I, I wrote to the people that sent me this email and I was just like, yeah, I want to request a copy of the Snyder Cut. And they wrote back and they're just like, okay, who are you? What is this? I'm like, here, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking, you know, big star here. You don't know who I am. The sausage king of Chicago. And then they actually wrote back and they said, okay, yeah, well, we're having an issue generating them. And I was like, okay, by that you mean watermarking them. So I ended up getting this last night. I think it was literally, it was like 20 minutes after I got the email, which had this many instructions on how to use this authorization thing that they had. Like I had that once on. Oh my God. It was just, you have to go through this and then authorize your email. And then you can only watch it on this and you can't pause it. And it, if we detect any kind of screen grabbing, you know, it'll immediately – it's like, okay, this is a fucking – the one I was doing was for um, that, that one that Joe Bob Briggs is in that was on Shutter. What was it called? Is it called I Hate Gays or I Hate Trans People or which Joe Bob's Briggs one is it? Joe Bob is a god, you infidel. Sure. See, look at that. Red Letter Media, Joe Bob Briggs. Different, different strokes for different, different folks. folks. But – but, but no, Mike, I know what you mean, that some of these things are so ridiculous, the authentication, that it's literally not worth it to just wait until it actually comes out, you know? Can you imagine watching the Snyder Cut not being able to pause it? Yeah, oh my god. I paused it like four or five times. I can't imagine having to sit in one place and only watch it one way. Can't imagine sitting at my computer and watching it for four hours, because undoubtedly you wouldn't be able to even watch it anywhere else anyways. I, I, I stopped it at one point, just literally turned the video off, went and made something to eat and came back. Regardless, I got this thing, did all this, and then, yeah, 20 minutes later, I saw that there was a, a bootleg out there already. So I'm just like, okay. So I just, I'll download that. And the bootleg had the introduction that you're talking about with Snyder. So I'm just like, okay, well, this actually has a little bit more to it than the one that you were sending out. And then I think I ended up, I ended up watching the one through the screener company and yeah i was jumping through hoops i had to have a phone and do all this kind of stuff and and then i noticed yeah through the whole fucking thing it said like mike white this is here's your ip address all this stuff all across the screen i'm just like okay great you know maybe you could put that over on the side since you're only using a fucking four three ratio then you could edit that out and you could upload it to youtube oh i remembered it was scare package was the shutter movie that i had to jump through hoops for and i just said fuck it and i I did just what you did i just went to the bootleg sites and i found it there it's like it's just way easier well let's not kid ourselves it's not like hbo max did itself any favors by accidentally leaking the snyder cut a week before it came out by accidentally making it what people saw when they streamed tom and jerry yeah to josh's point it was just the first hour i think i mean you mean half of a normal movie's length (laughs) <laughs> one quarter of this one's length. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people would be pretty pissed if it was their movie because that's half the movie. This time, it's like, you still got three hours. You'll be fine. I, I actually saw something online, and I don't know if this is just, you know, conspiracy nonsense, but there are some people that said that that screw up might have been on purpose to generate all of the, to, to generate all the headlines that, because they're like, that seems like a huge screw up to make. And nobody gives a shit about Tom and Jerry anyway. So there are theories that HBO did this. On, I mean, it's not unheard of. Remember, 
I don't know, this was maybe five, six years ago when the final season of Dexter was coming out. The first four episodes leaked in perfect quality a week early. And it turned out that Showtime actually is are the ones who uploaded those as a way to generate publicity. So it's not unheard of that HBO did this on purpose with the Tom and Jerry thing. As, as we near the end of this podcast, and I know we're nearing the end because I know Mike's getting us there. Do we think this is going to become how we watch these big movies moving forward. I know HBO is going to continue to release things on their streaming platform. I know that they're going to do Matrix and Dune and watch it the same day it's in theaters. But does this take away from it being a movie watching event by having to watch it at home on your own TV? Or is this still a big deal? Because like I saw more people talking about this movie today on Facebook and Twitter than I have seen people talking about anything during the pandemic. Like any other movies or anything else other than like Tiger King, people were like Justice League Day and Justice League. And even people like myself who were watching it because I had to, not because I wanted to, like Father Malone was watching it. People like like Jess, Jess Byard of the Scary Stories We Tell podcast, her and I were FaceTiming early on when I was watching it and she was watching it just because it came out today and there was a lot of talk about it. Like, is this the new, is this kind of the new normal? Because I, I kind of think it might be. I think it depends on the project. Like for me, if it's something like like a Fast and the Furious movie, nah, I can watch that on my TV. I don't need to see that in the theater. Kong versus Godzilla, I would much rather see that in the theater. Dune, I would much rather see that in the theater. So I think it depends. If you're watching a comedy, if you're watching a, a, a romance or just like a drama, no, I think that's just fine to watch on your TV. If you're watching an action movie or a sci-fi, like like Hulu just released Boss Level. That was fun on the TV. I think that could have been pretty fun in the theater, though, too. You know, it's full of explosions and fights and all this. I figure Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League was made for my old tube television because it's 4-3, which is exactly the ratio that TV used to be. Your CRT TV. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Chris Nolan may not want his movies to be watched on a Game Boy Advance, but uh, this movie's already in 4.3, so it's already set up for it. Or not even a Game Boy Advance, a Game Boy Color. There you go. 4.3 all day, baby. Put that four-hour movie on a fucking Game Boy cart and let's fire that bad boy up. You're going to love your 32 lines of resolution, baby. I might watch this again once I can get subtitles for it, because some of Dark Side, sorry... Desaad and uh, Steppenwolf's lines were pitched so low that I'm just like, I don't think Barry White could make out what they're trying to say because it was just like, oh, the amount, was- of po- the amount of post production processing on their voices was insane. On top of them was Batman was also real bad. Ben Affleck is Batman. His Batman voice, like Chris Bale doing the where is she. Like, everybody laughs at that, it's funny, but at the same time, that is Chris Bale's voice. In this movie, it's Ben Affleck doing his voice and then them throwing it through a couple filters on Audacity or Pro Tools and going, yeah, this is good enough. Kyron Hines, who does uh, Steppenwolf's voice, I w- it was like, 
watching it last night and then watching it today, I was like, wow, you took that like almost a full octave lower. But he yeah. also didn't say mother. Oh, yeah. I noticed constantly. they cut that out. <laughs> a lot of that, because he can't mother, lovely mother, I'm coming for you, mother, or whatever it They was. cut out a lot of his generic villain lines, because I, I, I noticed, you know, they, I was watching like the Honest trailer or um, pitch meeting for, for uh, Justice League, just how awful his limited dialogue was, I noticed that they really chopped that up quite a bit and, and gave him some new lines. And what's unfortunate is that Siren Hines is a great actor. Like, I I love him in everything I've seen him in, and you could have cast anybody as that villain. And, like, that is something that is the same from Snyder Cut to Whedon Cut. He's a little bit more interesting in the Snyder Cut. He's given a backstory, which which I don't think does much because he's still an uninteresting villain design. He's kind of a gray mess. He's kind of just a blob in a suit. So he's not an interesting character. They tried to give him an interesting backstory, but I, I just don't find the, like the villains in this movie aren't compelling. And even like even having Darkseid is cool, but like. He, he literally doesn't but, do but anything. come on. I mean, you're telling me during that final fight with Steppenwolf, you didn't feel a quick time event was about to happen and you had. <laughs> That's fair. I was really looking for like the fatality move. You know, I just kept hitting and I was just like, Brandon, smash the keys, smash the keys. There's got to be fatality in here. There, there was. She cut his like ear thing off. And she fucking cut, cut his head off. Yeah. Right. Well, but she did the ear Which thing Which I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's part of your head now. I thought it was a helmet before. I have to say, the anti-life equation, it sounds really fucking stupid just to say those three words together. Dude, it's so, it's so cool in the comic book. I know what Thanos is about. I know what Thanos wants to do by cutting the population in half, and he's got... What he feels are really good reasons for that. I don't understand Darkseid's motivation. I don't understand the anti-life equation because to me, anti-life is death. So I just, and, and I know they explain it a little bit as far as like roasting the world and turning everybody into parademons, but I just don't get his motivation. I don't get so where he's Jack coming from. Kirby was a Hulk, was a Jewish comic book creator and Darkseid is a fascist character in the mold of fascist leaders that Jack Kirby was seeing around the time he created the character. And so the anti-life equation isn't death as much as you not having it's you not having uh, the ability to make decisions for yourself. You're controlled by him. So the lack of life is the lack of your own ability to make your own decisions. It's your lack of free will is anti-life because without the ability of free will, you have no life. So he just wants to control everybody. And by the way, that Thanos storyline in the movie is vastly different from the one that they go with in the comic books. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know he wants to impress Lady Death. But it works. I think, actually, it works perfect. Yeah, it works perfectly in the movies because they knew they had to simplify it for the movies. I think it's a little weird that they decided to go straight up anti-life equation in this movie because, boy, that is not like that is not beginner level DC stuff. That is weird stuff. Whenever they said anti-life equation, I started saying they're they're birthing the culminator. And you guys have no idea what I'm referencing, do you? 1990, Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe, Jesse Ventura is trying to stop Sven Oli Thorson from getting the anti-life equation, which they call the Colmator. 
Come on, it's a deep cut, Mike. I, li- I thought cut. you liked Abraxas, Mike. I like the We Hate Movies uh, episode on Abraxas quite a bit, but that's as close as I've ever come to I used it. To have a, I used to have a bobblehead of Jesse Ventura as governor on my desk somewhere. I don't anymore. It's unfortunate. I think the lizard people probably took it. It was probably Secundus. I, I think they say the Colmator like 40 times in this, which is the anti-life. So that's all I could think of was, is that a fucking Abraxas reference? And I know it's from the comics, but I immediately went to Abraxas Guardian of the Universe because that's how my brain works. But you, but to, to the point I was making earlier, Mike, like it's wild to me that it took Marvel damn near 25 movies to get to the point where they felt comfortable introducing the weirder aspects of their lore into the mainstream outlet that so many people are enjoying their media through. It took Marvel 20 movies and DC's like four movies in anti-life mother boxes. Fuck it. And it's like, whoa, guys, this is a lot. And I, I guess the assumption is if you're watching the Snyder Cut, you're a deep cut fan and you know all the things. Well, I thought it was very smart that the whole idea of like the Tesseract and having the Tesseract in there pretty early, you know, what, all the way back to Captain America, the first Avenger. And we don't necessarily know that the Tesseract is an Infinity Stone and just the idea of like, oh, well, that red goo in um, the the second Thor movie, which I try to forget. Oh, that was an, infin- an Infinity Stone as well. It was like, okay, so they were, yeah, it was like you're saying, they're, they're giving us baby steps and they're really kind of taking us through it. And then it's just like, oh, remember that thing and that thing and that thing? And I know some people complained, which I found absolutely bizarre when they were trying to watch Infinity War and Endgame of, well, I have to watch all these movies before this I can see this? And it's like, not really. Like, I can give you a primer and just say, like, here's five movies that you should watch, but some people just have these knee-jerk reactions where it's like, oh, fuck that, I'm not watching 25 movies before I get to, the, to this one. Have you ever contemplated you might actually want to watch those 25 movies after you started watching them? Like, it's not a chore to watch the Marvel movies? <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. It's not like I'm sitting there dreading it, going like, like I was last night, going, fuck, I gotta watch Justice League again. That's the thing some people were saying they loved about the DC movies versus the Marvel movies. It took Marvel 25 movies to get it. It only took us four. It it, it moves. I mean, I've heard this from the Snyder cultists. It moves so fast. You don't have to watch all of these other movies. And it's more complicated. The training wheels are off, bro. Yeah. To them, that's a selling point, Mike. That's part of the problem we're having here. I think it's I think it's just tailored way too specifically towards a niche group of people, and you you really run the risk of alienating everybody else. And like and and that's and that's I think I think the biggest thing we should end this on is a question we three of us should answer. Do we think this is the end of this with the Snyder Cut? Do we a year from now, are we going to be talking about how the Snyder Cut came and went? It was a weird little thing that happened. We all had a good time talking about it, and that's it. Or do you guys, and we'll start with Josh, and then Mike, and then we'll come to me. Do you genuinely think this is it? Or do you think this will be wildly successful enough to have Warner Brothers, AT&T, the fuckers over there, you know, making the decisions up in the up in the office room with the big windows where the people can throw themselves out of once they make a bad decision, Simpsons style. Are they going to look at this if it's successful and go, here's more money, Zack Snyder, do with it as you will? 
I think Hollywood always takes the wrong lesson from a success. And so while the rational part of me says this is it, it was meant to be just, like you said, a a cul-de-sac. And that's not me saying that, that's them. That is the signaling that DC, Warner Brothers, everybody but Snyder was saying, this is a creative cul-de-sac, where it could have gone, blah, 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 all that. All that kind of bullshit of, like, non-committal bullshit. If this is, is as successful as I think it's going to be, Warner Brothers probably doesn't want to. AT&T has already overruled them once. I think AT&T just sees dollar signs, so... I do think a year from now, Justice League 2 might be in pre-production, for all we know. Yeah, I don't see them rebooting the the whole DCEU. I mean, there are other movies. You talked about Aquaman 2, yeah, Flash. Shazam. Uh, Shazam 2. Black Adam. Black Adam. So they're not going to reboot the DCEU. Green DC Lantern EU. TV show. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad TV show. They're not going to leave all that money on the table of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. They're going to say, I don't have Ben Affleck, I guess is done. He keeps vacillating whether he's going to come back or not. Henry Cavill, I I don't know. But regardless, they're going to still keep making stuff. There is already a, a new Superman show out there. They're going to keep making stuff, and I would not be surprised if they came back and said, yeah, let's go ahead and do Justice League 2 and do all this stuff. Maybe they'll take a lesson from Marvel and they'll start doing these other movies and have all this other stuff to build upon when they come back to Justice League 2. Or maybe they'll just say, oh, fuck it. We we did it before. Let's do it again. Let's just make Justice League 2 and continue on with this dark side stuff. We've already got all this shit going with the uh, dream sequence with Batman. We've got Martian Manhunter. We'll introduce Green Lanterns to this new thing, and off we go. DC's already given itself a trapdoor by saying, that's Elseworld stuff. There's many multiverses, yada, yada, yada. Even Joker said it in DC. The way I, the way I answer this question is to apply a different fan base and a different fandom to and their expectations to this one i am a fan of wrestling i love professional wrestling roast me for it i don't give a shit in wrestling there's a term that gets thrown around a lot never say never Zack snyder said this was never going to happen warner brothers said this was never going to happen mike you've said it josh you've said it i've said it we've all said it industry insiders said this movie didn't exist Yet we're looking at it. Sure, it didn't exist the way that they claimed it was going to in 2017, but a movie still came out. It's still called The Snyder Cut. It still has the same actors in it. It has more actors in it. It has more stuff in it. Like you said, Josh, like you said, Mike, they'd be stupid to leave the money on the table. And I really believe Never Say Never. I have seen things happen recently that make me wonder why I thought they weren't pop. I never thought we'd see another season of something. You already mentioned, Josh. I never thought we'd see another season of Dexter. I thought that shit was dead and buried like the garbage it was. And yet, Dexter is coming back. And it's coming back with the folks who wanted it to come back, the people who were motivated to make it come back, the people who wanted the show to be successful in those first five seasons, four seasons before Clyde Phillips left. He's back. I bet they bring more people back. They have Michael C. Hall back. And yet, I didn't believe that was going to happen. I didn't believe for the longest time that Star Wars films were going to happen. And yet they happened. 
I know that Snyder has his problems. I know that Zack Snyder is not the kind of person that understands nuance or subtlety, and he doesn't seem to have a very good focus or understanding of who he is in the industry he works in. I think he thinks way too highly of himself versus what the industry thinks of him outside of the guy who makes the money. So I think... We would be stupid to think, and we are obviously not stupid because we don't think this way, that this is the end. I think this is the beginning. You're not stupid because you realize the financial ramifications of not doing another one of these movies. Everybody's locked up, at least the, you know, the people that are still locked up, which is more of us than, than not. And this is the newest thing that we can watch. And so many of us watched it because it was the only thing to watch. Or it was just something to do on a Thursday night or whatever. People were watching the fucking Irishman. I mean, holy shit. It's like people don't watch four hour movies. And that movie had what? Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. It didn't have fucking Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman in it. This is so much more approachable to the general audience, like watching public, that I think, I genuinely think this is the best thing that's ever going to have happened to the DCEU. I honest to God believe that. I think this is going to be the moment where we all look at the DCEU and go, oops, they're about to pummel the shit out of us with all these movies that people can't stop watching. And they're not going to be very good, but they're going to keep making them because I think this is going to, like you said, Josh, it's going to embolden them because of course it yeah, will. I, I agree with and that. And it's fucking insane. Well, we're talking about filmmaking. So insane kind of comes with the. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, oh, 100%. I, there is part of me that still feels like this is a fever dream that we're actually talking about the Snyder cut because we joked about it for so long. This was the longer version of greed and the uh, magnificent Ambersons, all of these mythical things yeah. you know or things that we know that we can't see the last thing i want to say is i think it's kind of sad that this movie is going to be to some people what the other side of the wind was to people like mike and i because i'm just going to say the arrogant thing other side of the wind is a massively better film than anything Zack Snyder could ever touch yet these things are going to be equated i think the only thing that could ever surprise me more is if Day the Clown Cried ever just escapes to the internet. I heard that if you watch uh, Tom and Jerry right now, you can see the first hour of the Day the Clown Cried. You know what would be the thing I would be willing to say would be more surprising than this happening? Would be if Disney ever officially released, and Mike, you both know what I'm going to say. It would be if Disney ever officially released Song of the Fucking South. That would be this level of insanity. No, that's not what I was going to say. I thought it was the original cuts of Star Wars. Oh, if Charles well. Band ever fucking finishes the primevals, I've been only looking forward to that movie for 40 fucking years. I mean, you could say the same thing about Star Wars, too, but song, like if Song of the South ever got a, a Disney Disney endorsed release with an audio commentary with learned folks talking about the film. That's a, the best way to release that movie for the record. Uh, Disney do a good job and just fucking own up to it. But like, that's one of those things where I would have put Snyder cut in that hallowed group of names of shit where I'm just like, I don't genuinely believe that this could ever be a thing. 
and we said it for years, Mike. We like you could go back and listen to the Culture Cast. I'm sure you could listen to the Projection Booth. I'm sure you could listen to your podcast as well, Josh. We all said the Snyder Cut is never gonna happen because it's not a thing. And yet we're sitting here right now, wrong. And I feel like I have to eat my words because I actually I know you guys, Josh didn't at least didn't enjoy it. I have to eat my words a little bit because not only did I kind of enjoy it, I'm kind of glad it came out. Because it proved me wrong. And frankly, it shows that the industry, as shitty as it is that they cow tied <laughs> to the fans, I still can't believe we watched this movie. I still can't believe we spent almost four hours talking about this movie. It's wild. It's a genuine insanity. It is 2020. It's been this last year in a nutshell. The fact that the Snyder Cut came out in 2021 was announced in 2020. It, the beginning of a global pandemic is just... Boy, of course. Of course. I'm just glad it came out so the Snyder cultists can shut the fuck up. It, it, it was sort of, I don't mean to be picking on Henry Cavill, but remember when the last Mission Impossible movie was going to be coming out? Every fucking movie I went to go see had that trailer before it. I think I saw that trailer with him reloading his arms at least 15 times in the theater, and I just said, I just want this fucking movie to come out so the trailers stop. I agree. It's it's over. It, 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 this is over and done. The Snyder Cut is out. Now the you know the post mortem of what it does after the fact is the thing. But look, kudos to those people on the internet because man, you yell into a void long enough, and I guess the void will eventually shout back at you. You've had your orgasm. You've all come. Now you're either going to have to do the walk of shame with your panties around your ankles home or you're going to have to lay in your own mess that was a good way to bring it back to that whole having no respect for you in the morning thing i didn't do it on purpose but i used to write for hustler for god's sake i just my mind goes there okay so where can people find you mike you can always find me over at the projection booth which is available at projection booth podcast and where um this episode will be released as an audio version uh, here and as well as your guys' yep. uh, feeds as well, yeah, I think. on mine as well. You can find it at 1201beyond.com, although that site's way out of date. But my YouTube channel, just look up Josh Hadley or my shows on Anchor. Uh, Retrodrome is the only one we're doing right now. We just did an episode on the Body Chemistry franchise, which I offered to Mike. And he said, not on your life. That's what I usually say when you offer me stuff, though. Well, the next one we got coming up is Demons. I don't know if that's better. Demons is fun. I haven't seen any of those either. There's actually two, and then there's nine unofficial ones. Oh, see. Yeah, no. You kill me with these things. Wait, wait. This is coming from Mike White, the read your books to be on my podcast, man. Come on now. On top of the work that I'm already doing to do what, 13 movies with Josh? I can't do it. I, I got to make a call somewhere. And yes, I did like the... And see, but, but see, I'm doing all that, plus I'm writing an article for uh, a couple of magazines, and I'm researching an article for Horror Hound that is just like, ah, plus I'm going to school full time. See, people think I'm nuts, but I just, I try to take after Josh. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Christmas Claus. You can find me on the culture cast that's my main podcast you'll be able to find this podcast there but if you were listening to us here live 
First off, I speak for the three of us in saying thank you for joining us. I don't know if this will become a regular thing. It might be. It might not be. You'll know when we know. And by when we know, we'll let you know. So then you'll know. But um, we don't know if we're going to do this again. So thank you for joining us, for sticking with us for, god damn, almost four hours. We, I was trying to get us to be the runtime of the movie just to prove a point that we can be just as entertaining as the movie could. And I think we were. But see, now I've proved myself to be a hypocrite because I bitch about shows that just go on and on and live streams that go on for four hours. So I'm I'm a hypocrite. I was on Mike Mike White's uh, Conan episode. That was what seven and a half hours, Mike. That was the episode that came out around the same time that I first ever talked to Mike. Was the Conan? Because I remember looking at it and going. And this is this is the perfect way to end this podcast. I looked at it and said, who in God's name would listen to a four and a half or a seven hour podcast about Conan? Just like who would listen to a four hour podcast about Justice League? Well, you did, folks. Terminator, Miles Dyson, his creator. 
phone! Hello? Boom! Reality broken! What the hell are you smoking? I saw the newest trailer and you gotta be joking! Seriously, I saw it, it was pretty funny! I think you're on the right track, man! Keep it up! I'm out! Gotta get those electrolytes! Or I'll die! Straight up! If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for for listening. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise.